And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Welcome to The Great Movies Pod, a retrospective film review show where we watch and discuss the movies covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I am Dylan Coyer. <laughs> I'm, I'm Jana Garner. <laughs> and I'm Nick Fulton. <laughs> and we're off. <laughs> Lord, you know, this right. is just we only have five hours. Our, it's hot in here. Also, this is like our loosest, most rollicking um, content, so it, it works that our movies yeah. match. Look, no, no children are gonna die in any of these episodes, right? Um, I not. also just peeked behind the curtain, considered saying I'm Mank, and then I chickened out, and that's why I started laughing because I cracked myself <laughs> up. Mank, 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 yeah, Mank, 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 anyway, it's gonna be like the uh, Malkovich. It's uh, oh god, yeah. Yeah, Malkovich, Malkovich. It's Mank weekend. Everyone's talking about Mank, except for us. We're talking about Decalogue. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, today we are discussing... almost said Mank. Today we're <laughs> discussing the Decalogue, um, which is a light communist Poland uh, quote-unquote film. Uh, sure. Film. Uh, film, uh, which is about 10 hours long because it uh, is actually just a miniseries of different uh, stories of humans living inside this uh, just apartment building that I'm assuming is going to be ca- is called Decalogue. It's a, a titular apartment building. Sure. I don't know. Hmm? The Decalogue? Yeah. I mean, Decalogue is just I, means 10 something. Yeah, I know. 10 stories? <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, okay. No, I think it refers to, doesn't it refer to the commandments specifically? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pro- yeah, yeah, presumably. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. So is, it's also described. I mean, yes, it's an apartment building, but I also see it described like on Wikipedia and elsewhere as a housing project. Um, so it's like a sort of yeah, I guess public apartment building that is kind of a, a mm-hmm. buffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the decalogue um, is and... another term for the commandments. Got it. Okay. Good. Good. Good to know. Oh, um, I don't know about you, and... guys, but I had to look up every single one of them. <laughs> With yeah. each movie, I'm like, all right, let's yeah, see what this too. one's about because I don't know. I, I probably could, like could work out um, like three or four. I could remember them, but I had no idea which order any of them go in. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so the Decalogue takes place over ten episodes, and uh, each episode is supposed to kind of represent a different uh, commandment from the Bible, and so. Um, Did you say the name of the director of the? Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Christoph Kieslowski. I got that right. Sounds right. I think. Yeah. I just call him Kieslowski. I decided to pick the the harder. I was going to say, I was like, Christoph, to usually refer him to. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah. So um, we are going to be talking through, depending on how long this goes, we're already. So long into the recording process. Well, there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of pre. There's a lot of, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of stuff that's going to come out of that. Uh, we'll see how, if we're going to do one through five and then split up to a second part and do six through ten. Or I might just edit together um, 
one through five and six through ten. Might but be a whole at least marathon for the three of us, uh, we will be just discussing one through five right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, is there anything we really need to discuss? We could discuss like our history with Kuzlowski because he's. Uh, he, I think the reason this is mainly called a film is he's a really popular director of film. I feel yeah. like it's someone. Like, if someone said, like, Mindhunter was one of the great movies, or I True mean, Detective. Are for... we, anyone who's been on the internet in the past two weeks Point has been subject to uh, this conversation. Um, obviously, we all went through it with Twin Peaks yeah. season three, or what have you, which, because... Oh, David Twin Lynch, Peaks is the... Oh, my God. David Lynch, genius that he is, was like, this is a film, and everyone was like... Okay. Um, and then, of course, now we have the <laughs> Steve McQueen small act series that we're right in the middle of, which, yep, that's interestingly, true. is that one's a little bit different because he's not saying, like, this is a film. He's saying these are five films, you know, mm-hmm. versus something like Twin Peaks of the Decalogue, yeah. which sort of gets treated as an individual piece of film, even though this is 10 episodes of a television program. <laughs> like, this, yeah, this is much more like black mirror i think where yes it's sort of variations on a theme and mm-hmm. i don't know if black mirror really has much like crossover from episode to episode to the extent that like this does where you see characters no. in one episode and then you like pass them right. in the hall in another um mm-hmm. but this is that's the closest comp i could think of uh yeah. for this yeah, and I've I've seen people in years past put like individual Black Mirror episodes on their year end lists. Like if you want to get a little squishy about the TV versus film definition, mm-hmm. um, you know, if if someone however many years ago it was now wanted to put like San Junipero on their end of the year list, sure. I mean, we watch everything on Netflix. That's a self contained story. Or end of the decade list. Yeah, or or end of the decade list. Yeah, sure. Um, but the the dec- this is just and I'm guessing this must be the first version of that like this must have been the first Mm -hmm. thing to create this kind of conversation because like you said it's an acclaimed filmmaker who surprise surprise i have not seen any of his films although i've had like the three colors films sitting on some watch list for just years and i will watch them eventually Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and i think well not to, to sort of spoil our conversation but i have to imagine i'll be more into those than i am Probably. The Decalogue, so far at least. That seems like maybe it's more my speed. But, um, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think it's just a prestige thing. If this was made by anybody else, this would be a well-regarded miniseries that I doubt anybody outside of Poland would have watched. I mean, <laughs> he took it to Cannes eventually, right? Or, like, there's yeah. a whole story with that. So, And he did, like... Um when this was being made, they made sure to shoot extra footage for episodes five and six and turned those into feature, like short feature length movies, um, a short film about killing and a short film about love uh, respectively. So I think that also helps the, the film, like what is it? Film or TV argument, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just looked mm-hmm. at, so I was pretty sure of this uh, in 2017, Kaye du Cinema, had their number one film of the year uh, be Twin Peaks. <laughs> and the next year, their number two film of the year was, um, uh, what is it called? Coin Co- Coin Coin and the Extra Humans? Oh. Or Kian yeah. Kian and the Extra Humans by Bruno yeah. Dumont, which is another They're so wacky. miniseries. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, French film critics always trying to so pull creepy. fast ones. Yeah. Yeah, now the, the Twin Peaks I thing. I will say. Has, you say that's, that's been going on now. I feel like people love having that debate. Mm-hmm. Over and over. I will say this discussion kind of goes back to like 
very very early silent movies like uh Lay vampire uh-huh. yeah um where those were like uh what is it called serials um, yeah it was a, it was a serial and so there's like i think nine episodes of that or 11 it's a weird number. But you went and but, saw them at a theater, like, right? People yeah. weren't watching them on television. But you'd only see them at, at, between, like, 30 minutes to an hour at a time. Mm-hmm. And now it's, like, a 500-minute-long movie, movie. Right. But, uh, yeah. So this debate's gone on for a long time. Um, but, Nick, what what is your history with Kuzlowski? So I've seen um, this before a few years ago. I've seen the Three Colors trilogy and I've seen Double Life of Veronique, and I think that's it oh, yeah. for him. Um, I love... That's most of his stuff. Yeah, it's like, I think, his most like prominent works. Um, I love the Three Colors trilogy, and especially Blue. And then I, I really loved this um, the first time I saw it. And I guess we'll probably get into it more like once we actually give a rating. But I think I mentioned this the last time we recorded, where not every episode works as well as the others but it's kind of like an ep- like if you talk about the wire not every subplot of the wire is going to like keep your interest but you know overall over the like five seasons of it you would still say it's incredible and that's kind of where i land on this like mm-hmm. not every episode does it for me but just seeing the whole the scope of the whole thing um i think is incredibly impressive and he definitely has like this particular style which i i really quite enjoy it's just kind of like soft like gentle mm-hmm. and yet very full of conflict uh in an interesting way so yeah he's a director i probably need to catch up on more of his like less popular stuff but i i like all the things i've seen from him mm-hmm. um now what do you think of the double life of Ver- veronique because like i've been having that one pretty close to the top of my watch list for a year now and i still haven't watched it that's a bit of a mistake by me yeah i mean of the three works it's I, I like it. It's my least favorite of those, but that's maybe not that fair a comparison. It's sort of, we talked about uh, off air about last year at Marion Bad, where it just kind of left me feeling like, oh, that was cool. I don't understand it at all. I'm pretty dumb. That's sort of where I am with Double Life of Veronique, where okay. I'm like, oh, yeah, she, like Irene Jacobs is a very good actress, and this is very well put together, and I don't understand what he's trying to get at. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway. What about you, Dylan? So, that, what was your... Oh. Um, I saw the Decalogue, and this is kind of like when I discussed the Apu trilogy mm-hmm. way back when, which is like I watched it on probably like Daily Motion on some like really crappy transfer mm-hmm. and just being able to... I, so I got the Criterion discs for this one. And so just getting to watch it in like really high definition was... I could, like, tell it was a different experience from when I remembered it. Because I remember it being, like, really grainy. And it's still pretty grainy. There's not a lot of color or a lot of saturation in it. But, you know, watching it at, like, 280p on a on an iPhone or an iPad pod. Uh, this is It's a bit of a different of an experience. Yeah. Um, so, and then I've also seen the Three Colors trilogy. And I agree with Nick. Blue is just the freaking best. Um... But yeah, I, and I still need to see uh, Veronique. But yeah, that's kind of the where I see The Three Colors trilogy is the Three Colors trilogy. Am I remembering correctly? It also is like thematic with three different. Yeah, it's um, it's the colors Liberté, of the French. Yeah, Galate. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. 
and it's, it's also like very loose interpretations of those where like sort of like this like i was gonna say these are pretty loose yeah yeah interpretations at least on a couple of them of their allegedly designated uh, commandments <laughs> yeah honor thy mother and thy father yeah. is a weird uh, interpretation That's of that a choice <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're gonna be getting into that soon yeah but uh, that's going to be a little awkward. Yeah. Actually, I think a lot of these are pretty awkward, but that one especially. Anyway, so let's uh, kind of lead in with episode one. Mm-hmm. Um, the general premise of episode one is there's a man and a son, and they live in the apartment building. And uh, the son, who's... Uh, is his name... I have pa- uh, some it? of the characters listed... It's it's Powell. Pavel. Or Powell. Yeah. Pa- Pavel. Pavel. I think, yeah. Oh yeah. They're we're in Russian area <laughs> yeah. right now. Pavel. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Pavel's the name of the kid, and I didn't write down this name of the dad. Kristoff. But Kristoff. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So they kind of live in these uh, small apartment together, and the Pavel, the son, is like kind of a tech genius. Mm-hmm. Um. He has his own, I think it seemed like a homemade commu- computer that he kind of used and he did like basic programming on. Um, and like next to their uh, apartment building is a sort of uh, pond that the kids play on, which mm-hmm. seems risky. Um, and um, one day Pavel checks his computer code and it says like, Oh, it's going to be cold enough that you can go play on the on on the pond and it won't break. And so, uh they they take the word for it and Pavel goes plays on the lake and then Pavel the, the ice cracks and Pavel drowns. And then uh Kristoff has a bit of a problem with God. Is that the right way to put it? It's it's just intense. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean the the takeaway from this one, right, is sort of the the difference between having faith in God and maybe not putting your faith into computers. Other things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, this is a very um, sort of anti-technology, anti, you know. Yeah. Uh, because the commandment is, I am the Lord God, uh, thou shalt not have other gods before me. Right. Yeah. So the ideal is like the sanctity of God in worship. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all, um, I mean, I, I don't think it's necessarily just like, I don't know anything about Kieslowski's personal life or beliefs. I doubt mm-hmm. he is out here thinking like, everyone should just believe in God more and progress is bad. <laughs> but it's kind of the, roughly the takeaway of this, I think. Yeah, yeah, and it's one thing that I find interesting, not just about this um, chapter or, or mm-hmm. movie or this episode. Um, he I, So he does have a quote from one of the, it's either one of the bonus features or I have it written down or the essay. I'm, I'm not positive, but this quote from him says, uh, it won't be a treatise on moral principles, just films about life. So mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. think he's out here trying to moralize right. too much. Uh, but what I think is interesting is that this is probably, it's maybe my second favorite of mm-hmm. the, the episodes. And it's, so, it's probably my third. And it's yeah. so oh. antithetical to my like, view on life <laughs> like right. the the overall yeah kind of message of this is it's not necessarily to be distrustful it's sort of about hubris in a way mm-hmm. um 
but mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to to find a rating of this that's very like anti-science anti-empirical evidence and technology and things like that which is not how i live my life at all um mm-hmm. so i think it's mm-hmm. interesting that i'm so drawn to this one and it's really just about the tone and the way um the father-son relationship is portrayed and in particular the dad's reaction to like standing oh it's intense the the scene when he's standing with the whole town at the edge of the lake and everyone like when they find his body that he's not positive that he knows what happened the body gets pulled out and everyone just sits and he's still everyone like kneels down and he's still Mm -hmm. standing there like that's just such a a powerful scene um that even though i really don't agree with i guess the overall message of this i still love it so much Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um I, I feel the same way as you, and I think the reason why it's maybe third instead of second or first, which those come much later in the series, so we'll get to those that I like a little bit more, um, is not necessarily like it's because I disagree with the the issue, which I do. It's more just like they they kill a kid. Like it's just it seems like it. it, it I mean, even if it's not supposed to be like metaphorical, this is a lesson. Mm-hmm. The idea of like. I trusted a computer to see if I can ice skate and I died. It, it's, it just seems like such a, the gravitas of the, what actually happens is just kind of overwhelming to a point of like, I, I, I don't know if the whole thing coalesces as well as some of the other messages, but um, the actual stuff that happens in the episode is, is pretty great. And I think both the performances of uh, Pavel and Kristoff are just impeccable. Mm-hmm. And they, mm-hmm. they, they do a really good job of kind of giving life to this pretty lifeless uh, series at in times. The, in the original script, it was actually supposed to be um, an explanation as to why the ice melted. And it was something about there was a nearby factory or something and they poured mm-hmm. some other water that was a warmer temperature or something, something that was draining into the lake, which made the ice actually melt uh, at a rate that their computer program wouldn't have anticipated and they decided to get rid of that because they figured like we shouldn't have an explanation and it's so much better without that explanation it would have been so just like Mm -hmm. yeah like there there's no moral there if if -hmm. you have if you try to like solve it in that way Right, if you solve it in that way, then it's just like, that's more just like a, sort of like a Twilight zone like, oh, bad luck, which, yeah. you know, <laughs> they, <laughs> like, doesn't matter what you do, some neighboring factory might, you know, yeah. I, no, I, I totally agree. Um, and I think this is a good example, Nick, of what you were describing as how it's like a very, somehow a gentle style of filmmaking that deals with such yeah. serious subject matter. It's really, it's, it's really unusual like i can't Mm -hmm. really think of something else i've seen like this that mixes tones in that way where you're just quietly watching a little story unfurl and this will be true throughout every episode i think this is just a really i think good i think it's a good one to be the first one like i it for me at least yeah i think it's a really good way to sort of introduce you to this world that you are going to be entering where you know to Kieslowski's point, okay, you're just following, it's just about life, it's just about mm-hmm. people's lives, but, um, spoiler alert, something terrible is going to happen in all of these people's <laughs> lives in every episode, yeah. so yep. might as well just face that head on from the beginning. Did you guys think um, of a, a comp from another movie we've talked about semi-recently in this? We had another uh, dead kid. 
No, but oh. <laughs> almost when um, Bruno goes missing in Bicycle Thieves. Oh, sure. Oh. This yeah. Is, this is like playing out uh, the dad. I, worst case scenario. Yeah, yeah. Like his worst fears. Uh, like yeah. Manifesting. It. It. I probably would have enjoyed this more if this kid would have just popped back up the way Bruno just pops back yeah. up after that sequence. I mean, it would be a different. <laughs> it would right, be a whole right, different right. movie, but. That is reminding me of how great it is when Bruno pops back up in Bicycle Thieves. Mm. And you're like, look, he's fine. It's fine. He didn't. He didn't. Because they thought he drowned too, right? Like that was the concern. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's right by like the river and there's boats and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing right now actually that the the kid that plays uh, Pavel is in Schindler's List. Hmm. Oh. Okay. So That's interesting. I didn't really think any of these people would have... It seems like it's almost like a, a neo-realist sort of film where yeah. a lot of these people aren't like professionally trained actors um, to try to make it feel a little bit more real. Yeah, I mean, I get the sense that maybe at least if they were, they might have been actors, but they were like local theater actors yeah. or things like that. Yeah. Everyone I thought, oh, he's interesting. And I like click on the biography. It's always like a Polish stage actor. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of all these movies, the only person I think that I recognize, at least off the top of my head, is that the younger brother in Ten, which you have not watched yet, mm-hmm. Jana, correct? Right. Okay. Correct. Uh, the younger brother in Ten is the protagonist in White. Um, so but, yeah, oh. I did see on the like on the Wikipedia page for the Decalogue as a whole. One of the things it calls out is that. Um, it he re- reuses actors that he uses in mm. in like three colors white yeah and mm-hmm. I, I think a, a a good reason why this is a really good first episode is it's probably the lightest episode through the first two thirds and possibly the darkest in the last third yeah mm-hmm. so it kind of gives us this sort of balance of like this is sort of a it's a fairly down to earth series and. It's not like this uh, horribly depressing um, location or setting. Like these, this father still desperately loves his kid, and this kid is like a really nice kid, and he, he's well behaved. Um, but just that, like, bad things are gonna happen. Like, I think if you started with five, where it's just all is hell and hell is all, yeah. like it, it wouldn't have been a very good start. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a perfect way to set sort of the tone for this world. What do we think um, of the ant in in this one? We haven't talked about the ant at all as like the counterpoint because she's oh, a yeah. more faith based character. Yeah. I mean, not she that, has the sanctity, right? But there's I will say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, there's no moment or anything where like she tells him not to go on the lake or like they don't go that direct with it. I know that she talks about like the rem- dreams. I don't and think stuff, so, but I don't think you know she's not. Yeah, I don't of, believe yeah. so. I think she's just supposed to be like the maybe the moral or ethical center mm-hmm. and um a contrast to the dad who I mean the kid asks him specifically about death, I believe, and he mm-hmm. just gives a, like a clinical answer like a, as to what death is whereas the aunt is very like a religious person. Right. Mhm. Yeah. Um and they both have a debate on like whether uh God is exists, and if he exists, like what is God? Mm-hmm. And I think she says a line like "God is, I love you." Mm-hmm. So, 
I don't know. Just Poor kid. something interesting. I know. God, it's <laughs> so sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So two things kind of reoccur throughout this entire series. One of them is a character, an unnamed character, uh, by an actor named Artur Barsis. I, I, I don't know. Barsis? Sure. I'm trying to think of how you... Yeah. Uh, he appears in all but two, I think, of the episodes. Yes. And then... Um, References to Milk appears in all but three of the episodes. So in this first episode, um, the actor, I'm just going to call him Arthur, just to make it easy. <laughs> so Arthur plays a homeless man sitting by a fire near the lake. And when I, before I rewatched the deck log, for some reason, that is the image that I had most stuck in my head, um, was just him sitting by the lake, even though it doesn't really have much to do with the story. Um... Isn't and it the very first shot of it. I'll say it's a good, it's a really I, yeah, striking it image, is. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's why it kind of stuck with me, but um, yeah. So, and then in milk, I'm not they talk sure about how exactly the milk what this character. Oh, sorry, no, go ahead, go ahead. Sour. Yeah, I would say yeah, the milk is sour. Yeah, the, the milk is sour. I'm I'm not sure what the homeless person sitting by the lake is necessarily supposed to represent. So yeah. maybe he's like watching over the lake and Yeah, so there's he left. There, God's mm, gone. Maybe. God is dead. There's an uh, a video essay on the Criterion Disc um by a woman named Annette Insdorf and she actually wrote a book on Kislowski called Double Lives Second Chances. And then I, I also happened to just see her uh recently cuz she does some of the Criterion bonus features to Clute also just as an aside but um and Ebert uh, references this quote of hers in his essay, but she compares uh, this character who recurs in all but, I think it's seven and ten are the two. Yeah, and he w- which are my favorites, ironically. He was suppo- So he was supposed to be in seven, and they cut him, and then ten is sort of like a different tone, so he, he purposely um, didn't include him in that. Uh, mm-hmm. But she compares him to the protagonist the angel in wings of desire how it's just kind of like this person Ooh. who watches over everything and i thought that was like the the perfect uh that's a good analogy way. because he doesn't really like interact or have any i mean he may like slightly interact with people but he's not really influencing the action at all he seems like i i was thinking of him as sort of like a godlike figure in a way but but a like a passive god who's just kind of sitting there observing and watching but he seems mm-hmm. to show up a lot of times in kind of like significant climactic moment or maybe maybe not necessarily climactic but certainly like turning points of the story um but it's interesting in this one it's not really a turning point at all it's the beginning of the story yeah so do you guys have anything any more to say about one no it's a good one it's good i like yeah i liked it a lot it's probably my second favorite of this batch Mm mm-hmm what i'm Oh, five. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're like, what? oh, yeah, five. <laughs> <laughs> so then the second one is sort of about a woman whose husband, I don't think they explain why he's in the yeah. hospital. What is? But he's not doing, he's uh, not doing well. He has some kind of cancer because I think the doctor at some point says uh, something about metastatic disease. So he's yeah. got. Uh, I had okay. assumed for like the first section of this and we're 
getting sidetracked before you even explain what it's about. But I had assumed that, like, maybe he'd been in an accident, especially because when we find out... Yeah, because he was almost in, like, a full body cast kind of thing. Well, and then we find out that he's, like, a big-time rock climber or skier or something, or he does something on mountains. He has, like, a backpack. Yeah. Um, And so I'm thinking... And then when you see him in the hospital, he just looks ill and he's like weirdly contorted in the hospital bed um yeah. and then yeah and then but you're right at the end which we'll get to um the doctor basically yeah says like it's metastasized or, or something that makes it seem like he has some mm-hmm. cancer or some other sort of wasting illness so i guess it's not supposed to matter but it was weird yeah and so yeah that was weird could you could you hear that that <laughs> yeah, someone someone was, hammer, someone was hammering upstairs yeah cool okay <laughs> That may, may um, that may or may not come back. So, be aware. <laughs> oh um, yeah, and so she, she she's uh, pregnant, but she's convinced that uh, the that she's pregnant with another man's uh, child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the question is is whether she gets an abortion, and if she's trying to ask this doctor whether he thinks that her husband will live because if he lives, she'll get the abortion. And if not, uh, she wants to keep the baby. Um, Which she raises this issue with the doctor by like vaguely sort of stalking him through the apartment building for a while. Mm -hmm. You know how you ask for, I'm sure Nick's been through this. You ask for medical advice by just figuring out one of your neighbors is a doctor and then haranguing him in an elevator (laughs) until it it takes forever for her to get to the point too. Well, she doesn't want about to, what I, her problem is, right? Which um, I I agree is sort of frustrating from a storytelling perspective, but it kind of makes sense because, like you just outlined, she basically has to say this terrible thing, which is, "Yeah, I'm pregnant with another man's baby, and if my husband's mm-hmm. gonna live, I'll have an abortion. But if he's gonna die, I guess I'll keep it." So, like, that's yeah. it's a it's lot a, to lay on somebody. It's a tough situation, and then yeah. she's basically like the like, the conceit of the episode is she's forcing him to come down one way or another which um mm-hmm. i yeah. feel like is not his fault she mm-hmm. she's pretty <laughs> she's pretty adamant about it so like i mean right. lay off the guy he is right. kind of an asshole like <laughs> not to not to give him a free pass the dude's kind of a dick yeah i i didn't latch on to anyone in this episode at all even like negatively not mm-hmm. like None of them are, like, that nice, but none of them are, like, you know, the murder and the fifth one, where it's, like, I at least have, like, an emotional reaction to what he's doing. I just was just, like, oh, okay. Um, I know Nick had a favorite character in this episode. Is it? Oh, I had a favorite character, too. It's a little tiny bee. It's a little tiny bee. It's a little tiny bee. That's the one thing I cared about. The survival instincts of that bee. bee. It's a great bee. Yeah, and yeah. so this um, this is one of the looser, I think, uh, interpretations of the commandment, right? Because yeah. it's is, so loose. This is thou shall not. I take could not figure it Lord's out. Name in vain, which I guess they sort of yep, extrapolate to that. like don't don't swear. Or yeah, like, don't swear sw- to God about. Don't swear to God about something. Don't make promises because they may not end up being true. You can't. You have to like live with that. Um, yeah, you really have to like connect a bunch of dots to get to how the ending of this one <laughs> right, relates right. to that commandment. No, mm-hmm. it was a was a, um, a loosen. But like, and like you said, it's not like 
he was running around making these proclamations. Like he did not want to definitively say one way or the other. Yeah. She he even tells her he doesn't want to, and then she sort of strong arms him. Right. And like, first of all, and she's she, not even. Does her he doctor. even say like I don't really know? Yeah. Like. Yeah. He's like, to the best medical advice I have, I don't really, I can't really definitively tell you one way or another mm-hmm. if he's gonna die or not. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, so is he gonna die? Yeah. She's like, I don't know. Well, she has like this real ticking clock is is the thing. I get she yeah. has this, you know, appointment to have the abortion, which she has to decide if she's going to keep or not. And I I think and they, they probably say it, but I can't quite remember. I'm guessing she's like right at the end of when she'd be allowed to do it. Right. Like she can't put it yeah. off a week or something. Just, it's like it's got to happen today or it's not happening. I think so. it's four months. Yeah, exactly. So I think she's like right at because of four months, weeks three weeks or and whatever. two days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's a different country. It's a different country. Although, is it? But. Yeah, but th- that's Isn't Romania. That Romania. Yeah. Yeah. But same time period. It's close. Because <laughs> I think enough. that I think and that, that takes place period. in the 80s, late 80s. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's got a little bit of uh, Inside Lewin Davis, the Carrie Mulligan subplot vibes. Sure. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Just no, a I mean, tiny bit. Is, I don't yeah. think that was per- a purposeful. Uh, you don't think the Cohen brothers were doing an homage to Decalogue too? I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe they were. I, I sure. doubt it. Mulligan character telling Lewin Davis that she's gonna wear double abort his, yeah, <laughs> that she has to abort his baby because there's something she can think of worse than having his baby. Ah. The, the way she says <laughs> double condoms is oh, so gosh. funny. I should have had you wear double condoms. God, <laughs> <sighs> I would have rather watched Inside Lewin Davis than this particular. <laughs> Although I will say, we talked a little bit about this beforehand. I really did not like this one when I was watching it. Although it kind of sat with me okay. And it's maybe just because after three and four, I was like, eh, two wasn't so bad. Yeah. In my opinion. I think the (laughs) conundrum of this one is really interesting. It's just not Mm -hmm. really as compellingly told. Yeah. 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 I think it's just the least well executed. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I think I think the actress is actually pretty good. Like I think her performance is good, yeah. but there's just like is it, yeah. I don't think what, it's anything against either her, of the main two performances. Script doesn't give her anything to do than just yeah, sort of yeah. follow him around and like you said, kind of harangue him into answering her question. <laughs> we haven't talked about the script yet, but um, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. So it was written by two guys named Christoph. There's sure was Kislowski, and then this other guy. I want to say it's pronounced Piaszewicz who he's a lawyer and a screenwriter and then he's also uh, a former member of the senate in poland Mm -hmm. he he was the head of uh the social movement party in poland for a while apparently um i highly recommend clicking on his name on wikipedia and going to his wikipedia page because his uh he has an extremely severe photograph that is very funny. <laughs> he he looks like he looks like an intense lawyer. He does not look like mm-hmm. someone. He doesn't look like a screenwriter. He looks like <laughs> a scary law firm partner. Is what he looks like. Yeah. Or yeah. a senator. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was a senator. I I don't know how long he was a screenwriter, but it seems like uh, probably longer because he was a senator from ninety one until two thousand eleven. But he had four years off from ninety three to ninety seven. So that's sixteen years of. Uh, Oh, so he being a senator. He went to law school. He went, so he was a lawyer, then a screenwriter, then a senator. Interesting. Is that what you're gonna do mm-hmm. after? Uh, oh yes, yeah. That's my um, that's my plan. I'm still in the first stage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's my uh, my theoretical career advancement. Yes. Interesting. It, uh, are you gonna write like while they were sleeping too? 
Oh my god. I, Coma I wish. Oh my gosh. I was trying to think of another like Ten Commandments type thing, but the, all I could come up with is uh, an anthology based on the uh, Seven Deadly Sins. And I was gonna say, that. yeah, I did the exact same thing. I was like, oh, I can't really be the Seven Deadly Sins because that's been done. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of times. I get the sense we don't have a ton to say about the second one. Um, no, I have nothing to say. Like literally, that's all. I, uh, I mean, it's I guess, a Mario plot. Cool. B. Yeah. B. B. Won the day. By the honestly. way, I guess I guess what we should say the B did win the day is that ultimately um, she harangues the doctor, and we, and we get we do get a scene where he's like looking at the blood samples under mm-hmm. slides, and it, and it looks like mm-hmm. it's bad, um, and so he, she basically convinces him to tell, and he says, "Don't have the abortion." His yeah. illness has gotten worse. It's metastasized. He's not going to make it. I pro- like. Do you promise? I promise. Um, and then, you know, cut to the husband in the hospital bed, just kind of opening his eyes, and um, apparently after his bedmate just died. Yes, and there is sort of a fake. Which it makes you wonder if it's like he was accidentally looking at the the bedmate. Got like a uh, samples, samples got swapped. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, I hadn't thought of that either. Yeah, that's interesting because yeah, there's a bit of a fake out where she shows up at the hospital. Someone's being like wheeled, like rolling a body, right? But it's not him. And then of course he opens his eyes, and um, much like that bee with its survival instincts, I guess mm-hmm. he had survival instincts. He, he lives climbs out of the cup of juice. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> and we get like a sort of little scene at the end where he tells a story, right? Where he basically is like, "I died and I came back," or so he says, yeah. "Yeah, something along those lines." And so, um, that was like cool. I guess, yeah, so the bummer ending of this one is, okay, well, I guess she kept that baby, and yeah. now her husband is alive, and whoopsie. Well, sort of a happy ending in its own, like, kind of somber way, though, because yeah. we do see them again later in five, and she's mm-hmm. further along in her pregnancy. They're still together, so. Yeah. I mean, maybe they mm-hmm. worked it through, maybe or he, it yeah. he doesn't know any better. Yeah. He didn't, like, do the math, because I assume he's been sick in the hospital for a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I woke out of this two-year coma. It's so wonderful you're pregnant. They are six months pregnant. We're gonna now. have a kid. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, I, I agree because we do. We see them again a little bit later, and they seem mm, fine. Yeah. They they seem about as happy as anybody yeah. does <laughs> that we see in any. Good for them. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the only other thing we have to mention about two is uh, the Arthur and the milk. So Arthur plays an orderly in the hospital. Sure. And the milk is just the doctor uh, goes to buy milk. Yeah. Mainly to try to get away from the woman. Right. Because she's crazy. He's like inventing errands yeah. at that point. Yeah. Um, all right. On to Decalogue 3. It's, this is our Christmas movie. This is our yeah. seasonally appropriate Decalogue oh, yeah. entry. Cool. So Decalogue 3 um, is mainly about it's, is it Christmas Eve or is it Christmas, Christmas Day? Christmas Eve. Yeah. It's near Christmas. Okay, it's Christmas Eve. Um, and this dude who has a family um, kind of gets stalked by this woman who's a former lover. And she tells him that uh, her husband is missing. And they must go find them together. And it sounds like it could turn into some sort of buddy cop movie. But uh, that that, that, does, that doesn't really happen. Not, not a lot happens in this one either. Um, just kind of turns out that uh she 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 lied and uh her her goal was to keep him until 7 a.m and if he was dedicated enough to search for her missing husband instead of spending spending christmas with with his family until 7 a.m then she wouldn't commit suicide 
Yep. So that's yeah. That's like this like um, deal she made with herself, cool. basically, or sort of like a bet she made with herself, yep. essentially. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and the the bulk of it is just them going around, like going around town. And Her every time they go to so something, it's lies. just <laughs> like yeah, all she does yeah. is lie. Just the whole time, because she's like, oh, yeah. Every time they're like, find a new clue of where he might have gone. By the end, you're like, oh no, that she was just making it up the entire thing. There's a part where they go to I don't know if it's a morgue or like the like part of a hospital where they find a dead body or they mm-hmm. they have someone show them a dead body to identify it. And she sees it and starts crying, and then you're like, "Oh well, it's her dead yeah. husband." There you go. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I don't know if, she, like, the calculus in her head is like, "Oh right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pretend that it's my dead husband." And then she's like, "Wait a minute, I'm not gonna be able to pull this shit off." Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of there's uh, there's a lot of like holes in her plan, basically. <laughs> yeah. Basically, basically every part of her plan is. Uh, step one, improvise on the situation at hand, mm-hmm. uh, make up a clue, mm-hmm. and then pretend like the clue means nothing. Right. And it's just like rinse and repeat well, probably six times, right. and then the episode ends because she's like, oh, I made my time. I'm not going to die. You can go home die. now. Yeah. Well, yeah, because if, if any of the clues panned out, that would be the end, right? So she just <laughs> has to keep it going and going. And if they didn't find anything, then he'd probably give up. So, yeah, it's this real uh, sort of tightrope she walks to try to keep stringing him along. <laughs> Um. Yeah, a lot of lot of infidelity in these movies in general, <laughs> like yeah. a lot of mm-hmm. um, affair based. We're just getting uh, started on the infidelity. Two, I know, two for three so far. Yeah, and and neither <laughs> of those have actually been about the adultery commandment because there is one of those, and we haven't yep. even got there yet. So yeah, that's called the love episode. Cool. So. Yeah this this is yeah, um, sure. the remember the sabbath day and keep it holy and i guess christmas is just being a stand-in for the sabbath in this <laughs> hold on it's- since since you just pointed that out i'm i'm having my mind briefly blown here um so you've only seen one through five right Jana? yes correct so the sixth commandment is thou shall not commit adultery mm-hmm. that one's not I, even about yeah. adultery <laughs> <laughs> nope there's no one married in that episode cool <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm starting to think maybe he just reverse engineered these. Maybe he just made ten little yeah. movies and was like, maybe I can assign. How? What's a good marketing strategy? Can I just assign commandments to them and like tie it all together? Because, yeah, yeah, because neither neither two or three is a is is theoretically, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. And, and yet, both of them very both much of them have married be. people. Committing adultery, yeah. Mucho adultery. Yeah. Yeah, this one, so this one is uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And Mm -hmm. I guess that's just like, don't do this stuff on Christmas. Don't run out on your family on Christmas night or Christmas Eve. Yeah. Is Christmas (laughs) even considered the Sabbath, though? No. I I mean, I'm. Well, no, I mean, the the Sabbath's in the Old Testament. So Christians don't (laughs) really observe the Sabbath unless you're like Seventh day Adventists. It's a whole. I'm showing a lot of my uh, ignorance for yeah, uh, various I mean, I... religious customs and traditions Fair. today. Yeah, we are not authorities on this matter. Uh, no. no, this is a loose. I, I think this is sort of like, yeah, it's as loose as the last one, where it was like, you're right. right, swe- right. Swearing an oath is the same thing as taking the Lord's name in vain, and uh, mm-hmm. leaving your house on Christmas is the same thing as uh, not <laughs> respecting the Sabbath day. 
Uh, one thing about this episode, though, is the dad from one pops up mm. at the beginning of this one. Yes. That's another crossover. Yeah, that was that actually like Which really it, bummed it, it, me like, out. It opens on a shot of him, right? Like it, I think it pans down from this guy, like right onto but, him, and you're just like, and but then wait, he, he crosses by. Is this like, like a continuation? Yeah, and then he like crosses by something like very Christmassy. I can't remember if it's like, I can't remember exactly what the sort of interaction is, but it just made me really sad because I was like. Oh, it's Christmas and his kid is dead. <laughs> like it's it's a very sort of effective <laughs> crossover because it just he he crosses sad. paths with the protagonist who's dressed as Santa Claus. Yes, that's what, okay. That's what yeah. I thought. Yeah, he walks right. right by Santa Claus, and so it's just like, oh God, how awful for him, <laughs> poor guy. Pavel can't go tell Santa he wants some ice skates for Christmas. Oh. God. <laughs> But that was probably the most emotional reaction I had to this one was just feeling sad for that dad because I was not yeah. super invested in the, the hijinks um, of our no. main couple. Yeah. So I have a friend who um, says that whenever she watches movies and somebody has an axe, she gets freaked out because she knows something's bad bad will happen. So like the movie <laughs> The Witch, sure. she was stressed out the entire time, she said, when he's chopping up all the wood. Because she yeah. knows that he's going to do something with that axe, and he never actually does something. El- mm-hmm. Something else terrible happens. But uh, my it's version, of, my version of those is um, kids riding horses. Oh God! They always yeah. die. And mm-hmm. uh, ice skates. <laughs> oh, ice skates! Sure. Yeah. Anytime people are on ice skates, Florence Pugh, just uh, yeah, yeah. Know? Someone's going to fall through the ice. Yeah. Like always, it will happen. What's what's Timothy Chalamet's character? Lori. She's like Lori. So, it was just very short tangent, but because you brought up there being an axe, um, have either of you seen? I don't know. If I, have either of you one ever seen any Tales from the Crypt at all? Like years and years okay. and years ago. So the only episode of Tales from the Crypt I've ever seen, um, I think it's the second episode they ever did called All Through the House, um, and is about an axe murderer who dresses up as Santa and like breaks into people's houses and kills them. <laughs> So nice. I have like I have a, and I I saw it when I was way too young. Like a friend's older sister had like rented VHS tapes of Tales from the Crypt from Blockbuster and was like, "We should watch these." And I was way too young. It was incredibly terrifying. And so particularly the juxtaposition of like an axe and Christmas time. I'm like, no, 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 thank you. Get that out of here. Did you have any final yeah. thoughts on on three, Dylan? Do you want to talk about the um, Arthur our recurring? Yeah, Arthur. The Arthur milk. So there's no milk, no milk, but Arthur plays a tram driver, and I literally can't even picture him now because it's been so long since I watched Decalogue three. Yeah. I th- but I think they pass him when um, the is it in the beginning? No, I think they pass him like right before he swerves the car, like and and goes to crash it. Oh, okay. I believe yeah. I'm not positive. Sure, <laughs> I'll I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um, the last thing I want to say about Decalogue 3 is um, this is the first of quite a few characters in the show that are suicidal. Mm-hmm. And I think this is not a like a great representation of a suicidal character, but it's a lot better than the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, things like um, personal ultimatums is something that's pretty common. And um, so... It's at least more realistic and less harmful than the other ones were, but uh, see this still not the this one not the best to me. She seems more like um, borderline personality disorder, where she's like acting out in a lot of ways to get attention from him. 
where like yeah like like that could be i mean i but it's it's less of it's it's more like i'll stay alive for your attention instead of i'll kill myself for your attention see that's that's kind of how i i read it though is that i don't ever i don't get the sense that she actually wants to harm herself like to to kill herself um but i do get the sense that she would try to do something so that he would have to take care of her and I mean, maybe, maybe I'm okay. like misreading her or reading into it too much, but that's just kind of how I reacted to her. Whereas, and I know, I know which episode you're talking about. I think that one's a little bit different because I feel like that. Well, we'll get there <laughs> when we get to that episode. I am pulling out the um, like the health, mental health suicide guidelines representations in media, and just gonna. Put a big X Let's next to like everyone. literally every single one for that one. Do you, well, I, oof. I, I won't. I'll ask my question when we get there because I, I have questions, but it's about something I haven't seen yet that we're not talking about yet. So yeah. I, will, I will save my questions for when we get there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not 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 the best representation, but at least stood out as like not the worst, at least mm-hmm. for me. But moving on to number four, which this one bangs like seriously. <laughs> interesting choice of words so yeah <laughs> number number four is based on honor thy mother honor thy father and thy mother um and it is about a young woman named anka who's around 20 years old and she lives with her father and her mother um passed away like peripartum like i don't know if it was like right after giving birth or during mm-hmm. the birthing process but she's never known her mother other than like in stories and then um, she's had a very close relationship with her father. So she's a, uh, drama student. She has a boyfriend. Um, her dad leaves on a trip and she finds a letter that's addressed to my daughter, Anka. And, um, she opens it up and claims to have read it to when her father comes back and she tells him that she read the letter that um, he had been hiding away and it says that he is not actually her father. Her mother had an affair and some other man that she doesn't know was her father. Oh god, this one has an infidelity plot too. I wasn't yep. even thinking about so this we're th- one. Th- we're now th- three for four. <laughs> three for four. Okay. No infidelity at all in five, so that one will be fine. But yeah, that'll, that'll be yeah. happy times. Okay. But yes. Easy but, episode. Yes. <laughs> Um, so then we, we learn a little bit more about the two of their relationship and she basically accuses him of, um, like she intimates that she's sort of in love with him and that he must have similar feelings towards her because he's like self-sabotaged relationships and been jealous or accuses him of having shown jealousy at relationships of hers. And then it turns out that she actually hadn't um, opened the letter at all. She had it, pretended to read it, but um, didn't actually read it. And mm-hmm. they decide together that they uh, are going to burn the letter. They burn it almost almost in its entirety. And at the end, all that's left is a corner that says, I have, some, uh, I have something important to tell you. Michelle is not. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's such a dramatic way to have that amount burned. Speaking of like some sort of Twilight zone like that's another mm-hmm. kind of little, like just sort of 
twi- not twist at the yeah. end, but just like a little bit moment where it's like, haha, maybe we got you, maybe we didn't. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a little silly. Honestly. It's very, I thought it was very silly. But, um, guys, this one's so weird. This episode's cool. Tell, tell me, you guys tell me why <laughs> you like this episode because I just could not. <laughs> So I, I just could not with this one. <laughs> to be clear, I get why one could not, and no judgment. Me too. I just, yeah. I just really love the way these characters are written because um, I think more so than in any of the other ones except maybe five and seven, um, you get the sense in such a short amount of time that you know exactly who these people are. You know. Um, where they've been together in their relationship. And I just think that the characters are really, like so well-written and so well-performed by these two. They do a really good job of like towing that line of... I don't know, like, the relationship is clearly inappropriate. <laughs> and I think they do a good job of, like, of showing, uh, like the discomfort of sort of that. grappling with it yeah that yeah. That, con- that conversation scene is really well acted like it it un- yeah, unquestionably that mm-hmm. that conversation scene yep. between the two of them is a, is a feat and i was i was impressed by it and it it almost works for me but <laughs> i i they could not mm-hmm. overcome just the the subject I mean, it matter doesn't matter. Is all... it doesn't it doesn't matter if he's your biological father or not like that's not the point <laughs> right, right right yeah I mean which I I think the movie knows but it's kind of like oh okay well if it turns out you're my biological father then this completely inappropriate relationship makes sense and is fine and it's like mm-hmm. no it, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't make sense and it's not fine whether or not he's your biological father that's not the problem right and I don't think that there. Are trying to argue that it's right. cool no. If... yeah no I, I think it's like you know de- desperation right like they're mm-hmm. sort of they're sort of yes grabbing for something or anything that'll try to assuage their discomfort about their circumstances yeah and they both yeah are it, it's like, like they're clearly... trying to make excuses for this mutual attraction that which is so weird like it's neither weird. should have yeah no it's yeah it's very weird but they're both also like very lonely people which i think is another mm-hmm. recurring theme like the the dad in one is a very lonely person the wife and he gets a little bit more lonely though yeah the wife and two <laughs> <laughs> wait is the, the the parents in one are split up do, do they ever say if the mom had had no, an affair or, they don't okay. i i was trying to think of that too okay. i was gonna say maybe their secret infidelity in the first one we don't know why they divorced yeah. i guess we i guess we might as well assume there was infidelity involved yeah. it seems more likely than not uh actually i think five in, involves infidelity too five does isn't the taxi cab married and he's like sleeping with some of the people that he drives i mean i'd believe it i thought yeah. there was a subplot like no, he's just, I, I don't know if he's sleeping. He's just like a scum, scum yeah, bum, like checking out dude. women and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, he's a true scumbag. Yeah. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We yeah. are getting ahead of ourselves. Um, so, so I think they're both lonely people. Okay. Um, yeah. Which, yeah. I don't, I don't, it certainly doesn't excuse uh, right. some of the behaviors, but I think it <laughs> clarifies them anyway. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I just think, I just think that it's, I, I think, it's so well acted and, um, really well written too even though like it's uncomfortable it's it's meant to be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. but if uh if that's too much like it should be yeah like i get it too (laughs) can i can i make a very uh 
inappropriate comment, which is that, like, <laughs> he's not attractive. The dad. <laughs> I know that, again, also not the point, but as I'm sitting here trying to, like, make sense of this, I'm like, like it's not like he's, like, a young hot dad. Since we're a regular dad. Like, since we're opening you, up you this ask, can of worms. You ask, you, you ask for your time for a rebuttal, yeah. and your first point that you make to the judges, that He's man not... is ugly. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to reckon with this from every possible angle, yeah. and that Since, is one angle. Of course. Since yes, we're I... going down that path, I would say yes. the same thing about the couple in three. Like, she, the, the woman is very attractive, and the guy, like, she could find a guy better looking than that. Yeah, but. that guy's pretty schlubby. Yeah. You know this, who is This is a thing that comes up through I, almost every male no, Ironically, movie you know who's attractive ever. is the sick husband in two. Like, when he's, <laughs> he's like, decent looking when he's not all gray and on death's door. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, <laughs> and that bee, that, that bee's fit. I, yeah. did, I did open this can of worms, so I apologize. Um, not the point. Um, yeah. But, I mean, that that is a problem that... I find a lot of male directors sure. kind of have in their movies where, like, there's this rugged, kind of ugly-looking dude, and, and then like beautiful you know, they're, they're, there's a mutual attraction with the unrealistically the beautiful. The daughter woman. is like very. The daughter is one of like the most attractive people I think we've seen. Like, she's very beautiful. Um, yeah, not none, none of it's the point. Um, but these were the things I was thinking about when I was watching it. I don't think I wanted to grapple with the actual subject matter at hand yeah that's fair that's a fair criticism yeah. so um milk in this one it, towards the end of the movie um the dad leaves and she thinks he's leaving her um so she screams out the window and what what i, I really like that moment actually and she runs after him uh and that's when she actually it's tells him that fucking she, great moment when she says that she lied she she faked the the mm-hmm. letter from her mom and he's like i was just leaving it by milk like just going to the store <laughs> which yeah. that seems actually pretty humorous i kind of dug that yeah. yeah yeah and then we see our boy arthur when um she's outside what is she doing at that point oh it's when she um first opens the oh, letter when she goes to confront him yeah he's carrying a rowboat mm-hmm. yeah he's he, like, carrying a boat over but's in the way of everyone's like problems yeah yeah, so it's like right when she's about to open this thing that she's known about for a long time, mm-hmm. and um, turns out she doesn't actually open it. So he, it's like a turning point, I think, in her uh, her character arc. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Arthur, always around at the key moments, just like uh, the guy from what's his name, Bruno Gans. In um, oh yeah, Wings of Desire. Oh, that movie's so good. It's I good. cannot wait till we get to that. I bought it so long ago and it's been out of stock, so I'm just like waiting for them to oh, send dang. it to me. Yeah, for like weeks. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. Number five, Thou Shalt Not Kill. This one uh, in longer form is a short film about killing and it is about a young drifter who lives in just the greenest world outside of a David Fincher movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so green. It's this, so green. I love it. This one looks nothing at Nothing like any of the others. Yeah. Like this has a totally distinct no. yeah. visual style. Yeah. Middle of it's like middle of the city. Mm-hmm. The, it sounds different. It looks different. I don't think we ever see the apartment complex in this one, do we? Do we maybe see? The, I don't is think the we point do that either. the taxi driver I, lives there? 
Is like that our connection to it? There has to be. There has maybe. to be. A oh yeah, because the taxi driver goes there, and the pregnant couple from two are there. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, That's where we get. Yeah, so he's in front of the building at least. Yeah. That's where we briefly, get the overlap. But, yep. Yeah. But it's much more like outside of the building compared mm-hmm. to a lot of the oh, other it's, ones, it's which all like, over town. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, all over the jail. Well, that yeah. too. So yeah, oh. they actually used um, nine different cinematographers for each episode. Oh, oh my yeah, god. Yeah, there was one guy who did I. Th- think it was th- two and eight three and eight yeah, who shot um, this? but everyone else shot their own and this one the guy used like a whole bunch of different lenses on the camera so mm-hmm. that so it has an interesting color palette the edges are like vignetted it's vin- the whole almost yeah. the whole thing other than like yeah. i guess it i guess everything, the whole thing actually i, I think everything yeah. that can be considered a flashback is in the like mm-hmm. i don't think Mm-hmm. The stuff in the courtroom in that's the courtroom. sort of our current no. time, but everything no. that talks about the crime the is half, in that yeah. like pinhole camera vignette style, which is fasc- fascinating. I thought it would bug me, but I actually liked it a lot. I, I love it. So yeah, yeah. So like like you kind of alluded to, this is sort of told in two halves. The first half focus focuses on this drifter um, who you know just kind of like bums around town, checks out girls. Um, goes to like the the movie theater and goes to get this picture um enlarged yeah i guess or or like touched up somehow blown up blown up yeah ah, and, blown up and then ah! yeah. Same <laughs> thank you Janet. and then he decides to uh start causing some trouble so the first way he does it somehow is the the lesser of the ways he causes trouble which is to just like push a rock off of a bridge Mm-hmm. Uh, onto oncoming traffic, you hear the accident that he causes, and then from there he decides, "I'm gonna um, take my rope that he happens to have on him." Yep. He carries around rope, and he gets in a cab. So we've seen the cabbie a little bit uh, during the movie. He like was kind of a dick. He's like mm-hmm. dick. Yep. Yeah. He like purposely blows off the couple from two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like much more pregnant this time just yeah. for no like it seems counterproductive for him who makes his living driving people around right. so he's really just doing it to be an asshole mm-hmm. um, yep. uh, the guy what's his name ja- Jasek Jasek yeah J- Jasek Jasek gets in uh, the cab he tells him to go down this uh, road or whatever and he strangles him to death or well he strangles him mostly to death for a very long time doesn't quite uh get there this scene is oh my god it's so long yeah. it, it lasts forever i love the way it's shot though in in the, you like he, think he's killed him a couple of different times mm. and then it just keeps going the way it sh- it like, like the beat it <laughs> focuses on like his foot coming out of the shoe and then his sock mm-hmm. falling off and then yeah. like his dentures falling out it's just such an interesting and really just tactile i guess way yeah to, it's brutal to it's, ju- it's it's just yeah it's just brutal like i i think we're yeah. so used to seeing like murder and death on screen in just sort of these very and i know mm-hmm. there's a ton a million counter examples to this but it's often things that i don't watch um but you know it's usually it's pretty bloodless someone if someone gets strangled they you know they fight back and then they stop fighting back and they're dead like we don't normally see it's like oh nope that didn't quite take gotta keep <laughs> gotta yeah. keep trying to kill him Yep. Yeah, and yeah. finally he has to smash his head with a rock. Big old rock. A big rock. Yeah. Big rock. So he moved from the small rock uh, <laughs> that he threw at cars to a bigger rock that he throws at that this 
presumably guy. smashes this guy's head in with. Yeah, which fortunately we don't see it because he's yeah. covered his head in. Um, like uh, a, he like wrapped his head around a blanket or something. Yeah, like a jacket or, or a blanket, or a blank, or a blanket yeah. around his head. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty fucked up. I th- I think that it was. It might have been the writer in one of the interviews. I can't remember, but I think he said that when they screened it, maybe it can. People were like getting sick, like having to leave to throw up. It's yeah. But but then at the end they I got a salvation. Yeah, yeah, I, I can believe it. I just did a lot of sure. watching it like this. Yeah. Like I watched it, but I literally, I'm, I'm holding my hands up in front of my face, like looking through my eyes. Like yeah. I fully just was like watching it like that um, until it was over. Because so that's the first half of the movie, and then it does a really interesting cut where um, I, I like this technique a lot in movies. Actually, I know Ozu does it a lot in like a uh, Tokyo Story in late spring called an ellipsis, where you cut out like a significant mm-hmm. part of mm-hmm. the movie and you just kind of have to catch up so we don't ever see him getting arrested right. we don't see the vast majority of his trial all we see is that he's been sentenced to death like it cuts from the murder to and you're sentenced to death right we don't even mm-hmm. we don't find out how he got caught i mean yeah, or yeah. yeah or any of it or what happened it's just not not the point so then it, i think that's actually something that a lot of my favorite directors do yeah, yeah. archers yeah. ray or rye mm-hmm. uh ozu like it's a very, it it makes you focus on the impo- like the important things of the story and not the important things to like every plot actual yeah. right yeah yeah especially for like and I'm I'm all for it like if, it doesn't matter like we saw that he did it this is not a courtroom drama per se we don't need yeah. to it's not an episode of law and order we don't need to figure out how they you caught don't care him. he got like, caught I don't care if right. they were yeah. dusted for fingerprints or whatever right. I just assume exactly. they caught him yeah exactly he's, he's clearly it's like not cool a... we know he's caught and we know he's and, and, on death yeah, row and, and we know he did it so that's enough for us yeah uh, and he's like he's. we don't expect him to be a criminal master yeah. so mm-hmm. we just accept we, we cut out all the crap yeah. and he's He's being sentenced. So the second half of this focuses a little bit more on his lawyer who, um, the like cold open, I guess, if we want to use that term, uh, is a quote from the lawyer talking about uh, the death penalty. So the second half of this is a little bit more um, philosophical about Mm -hmm. what is the death penalty for? Like, what good is it doing? Um, Is it just, uh, there's a line that's something like, is it just revenge? And if so, who is it being perpetrated by? Um, Mm -hmm. Which I think is a really interesting way to frame like an anti-death penalty argument because Mm -hmm. I think it's very easy to be against it just on pragmatic reasons because like, you know, there's um, racial inequality and and like, uh, like socioeconomic status inequalities to who is affected by the death penalty. And that's an easy like, Sure. Yeah. Like if it's if it's clearly unfair in that way, maybe we shouldn't be having it. But this way is more of like a moral mm-hmm. um, opposition mm-hmm. to it, and I think that's maybe not necessarily a more interesting way to frame it, but it's an interesting way to frame it. So I mm-hmm. I really like. Yeah. I love this lawyer character. I think he's yeah. like maybe the best lawyer, best fictional lawyer I've seen. Maybe not in terms. Can Janet of, confirm? I mean, he's he's really good. I can't like. I don't have like a favorite, believe it or not, favorite fictional layer off the top of my head. But no, I think he's, it's a really excellent portrayal and particularly of like one of the key things that we haven't mentioned yet is like this is his first case, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of a trope in, in lawyer storytelling anyway. But like at the very beginning, he's just passing the bar exam, becoming a lawyer. And so and this happens to 
lawyers who become defense attorneys. Like this is his first. Well, in America, your first case would not be a death penalty case, but um, no. <laughs> you you would be defending people for like shoplifting. But um, you know he and and part of his journey, part of his story is he has a lot of you know insecurity and guilt about whether it's because he's a young and inexperienced attorney mm-hmm. if he if it would have made a difference was he the wrong lawyer is this somehow his fault um no he's a he's a great character i, I yeah. thought he was that mm-hmm. was really good portrayal and i love that the judge like outright tells him like no it wasn't your fault it was just like he your, murdered somebody your what client you? committed a horrendous yeah. murder like yeah what are you gonna do you weren't gonna yeah and then we do learn a little bit more about um this character and like Certainly, it doesn't excuse uh, his behavior, but we learn a little bit more. And I think that's sort of uh, like a recurring theme of these um, episodes or these stories is that you learn more about these people's background that sort of elucidate why they are the way they are. And it doesn't really Mm -hmm. excuse them, but it's more Mm -hmm. just, hey, this is this is why. So he's he's had like this tragic backstory by um, like we know his father's dead and then we know his sister passed away. Um, She was killed in an accident that was his faults or like him and his friends fault. She was accidentally killed. Uh, Ran over by a tractor. Yeah. That they were driving yeah. while they so were they, drunk. They, they originally yeah. stated as a drunk driving accent. And I was like, Oh yeah. man, that sucks. And then it's like, Oh, we ran over her in a field with a tractor accidentally. And I was just like, yeah. yeah. Oh that, my God. Yeah. It's like this whole, that's, the story that's... is so bleak. And then he just tells this. And like you said, it's, it's not at all to excuse his like, horrific murder he committed but it's just it sort of adds up it's like oh yeah the world is just terrible to everybody all the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> like cool it's just like yeah your life has yeah. been sad like god from his the beginning and fucking mom his poor mom jesus yeah. <laughs> and that's what the picture she gets the, the blown up photo yeah the picture that he had dropped off was of his yeah. uh a picture he had of his younger sister. sister yeah and then um content warning for Thank you. you <laughs> no one, no one gave me a uh, a content warning or trigger warning of any kind before yeah. I watched this episode. Oh yeah, oops. Yeah, it's fine. I I saw it coming, especially when there's like when a said shot. Yeah. Well, when there's an extended shot of the guy like the guy testing the, out the noose in the closet, and you're like, oh okay. Yeah. This also goes on forever. Like it takes a very yeah. Um, which I I think is part of the point since this is I, I think she's supposed to be anti maybe I don't know what Kozlowski's feelings are but it seems anti-death penalty yeah well, we go yeah, to the final is. line of the yeah, yeah. the episode which That's, is just the lawyer oh like God, screaming poor... over and over again yeah. I abhor it yeah. yeah but yeah you just it really shows you the like sort of banality of of this process this like sort of cold clinical yeah. like we're testing the rope and the mm-hmm. trap door that's going to go out and we're going to take 12 guards to grab this guy by every like inch of him and and drag him to this execution i mean i will that's say that horrifying. the comment i made when i was watching it is i realized that because thankfully we well at least for the time being this might change do not execute people via hanging in the united states anymore mm-hmm. although i do remember someone maybe being killed by hanging when I, at some point during my life. Like it was, it's around longer than you would have thought. Um, there was a report a week or so ago that yeah, somebody wants it, to bring back. Uh, they want to bring it. Yeah. And, and um, firing squats. Firing squats. The other yeah, thing yeah, they want to bring back. Yeah. yeah. There are some states where that's still legal. Anyway. Um, very cool country. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, but I realized that when I think of, I mean, when you think of hanging, I don't know about you guys, but I'm picturing like, a big gallows in the town square <laughs> like yeah, everybody yeah. it's rare that you see 
someone hung executed without it being in like olden times where mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's like it's like a public execution so it i mean it's they have them in a hanging room they have them in a hanging room it's i mean it's Oof. and it's no I, I mean whatever i guess opinions can vary but like it seems so shocking even though someone being wheeled in strapped to a gurney who's going to get an injection that kills them in a tiny room like mm-hmm. effectively we're doing the same thing um yeah, yeah it's... there's a very upsetting hanging sequence yeah, there's complications with lethal injections that can. Of course, oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, like there's oh, no way it doesn't always work. No the first time way of. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, or the person because they're like sometimes you're supposed to get like a it's like a numbing uh, thing like first, a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't always work, and it doesn't work, and the, then you feel the, the death. real. Uh, fun lighthearted moment in this whole sequence is when um, he's opening the trap door and they put like a little bin. Yeah. <laughs> in there. And I was just like, oh, God, we're really watching every step of this take place. Yeah. It's so so bad. It's quite a lot. I do. So I do think that um, the parallels, like you said, they they go in and they test out the rope and everything. Mm -hmm. And the way that he, like, for the most part, killed the driver, like, Mm -hmm. granted, they're not hitting him in the head with a rock, but he's he's strangling the driver to death with the rope that we've seen him test before, too. Right, yeah. So there's... Yep. The the parallels between like this murder, which um, society abhors, mm-hmm. versus this other murder, which is that sanctioned, sanctioned, sanctioned yeah. and committed by um, the government and yeah. the police force. Um, I I think it's as good an argument against the death penalty as I've ever seen in a movie. Um, I think it's yeah. I I I just love this episode. It is it's mm-hmm. so brutal. It's such a painful thing to watch, but I think it's so fantastically done. Um, I'm looking forward yeah. to watching the feature. And by Do looking forward, you know forward, what the feature adds to it, like what's fleshed out. I can't imagine so, it being more. I actually don't. I know a little bit of the about execution what it sequence is twice as long. <laughs> it, yeah, the... it's even longer. <laughs> Both execution sequences there are twice. Go. Yeah, I know a little bit about six and what's added to that, but I don't know anything about what's added to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to get to getting into it. Do you guys? Um, do you guys think that the drifter Jessic looks like Will Poulter? I can see it. I yeah, mm. he has that same kind of like haunted baby face, <laughs> right? Like I mean, that's, it's baby a baby face. face, but it's like a. No, a baby I feel who's, like, been through, who's been through, been some, through shit. some shit. Well, because like normally you say, I think this well, is, Will Poulter haunted... looks just so weird, though. This guy looked pretty weird. Yeah, this guy looks kind of weird. He has like he has like as weirdier hair, but it's it's not the same exact look, but it, it it is a similar vibe where they both have a baby face, but not like in a like I don't know. There's there's something going on there. Yeah, it's like a baby who saw uh, Tales from the Crypt at a young age. There you go. Um, <laughs> is there something that Will Poulter's really bad? Not, I shouldn't say really bad in. I'm. I'm I mean, like, playing a bad guy. Like, is he, like, a killer in something? I feel like. Um, I've been told he's... He's not nice in Midsommar. No, he... Yeah. Oh, you're right. He's a yeah. he, well, he's a dick in Midsommar. But uh, don't worry. He gets his. <laughs> yeah. I've been told that yeah. he is in Detroit, but I didn't see Detroit. Oh, he. I think he... I did not see Detroit either, but I do think he's one, like, the evil he's racist cop. He's like a bad cop. cop. Yeah, in, like, an yeah. evil racist cop in Detroit. I can't yeah. remember in The Revenant if he's, like... I mean, I don't know. He, he he's he's a guy. He's a he's Tom Hardy's like minion in that, but I think right. he he like is more having yeah. things done to him than the he's not he's not as bad as like Tom Hardy like yeah. Anyway, sorry. This is our Will Poulter. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Um, so is, is there milk in this uh, episode? Yes, oh. there is. Um, oh, no. There no is. I don't remember milk. milk. There is um, Arthur, though. Yes. We see him. He's a construction worker who is on the street, and he like make he makes eye contact, I think, with Jacek when he's mm-hmm. in the cab. Yeah, like I th- I thought mm-hmm. he was like a surveyor at first because he's like holding this like big measuring thing, but I think he's supposed to be a construction yeah. worker. But he's like holding a big measuring thing. Yeah, he's he's some kind of he's he's working on the street yeah. doing something. It's, it's, where exactly, some sort he's of street making eye contact. Really, he's he's an angel or or right. He's observing God, <laughs> godlike figure who's he's observing, observing uh, the situation. These yeah. people in the chaos of their lives. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this one's my favorite. Um, Do you guys want to? Oh, God, don't. I, I just wanted to put one more point on the whole, um, sort of the backstory on Jassic. And I I don't think the backstory is, like, um, absolving him of his crimes. But I think the argument is, is people can lash out in violent ways because of stuff that's happened to them. And so it's arguing for a sort of... Um, rehabilitation sort of prison system rather than mm-hmm. a revengeance sort of prison system. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what made that um, flashback discussion so important. Um, ironically, I don't like the way this one ends. Uh, speci- just specifically, like, the lawyer screaming that he hates it. it's too melodramatic? Like, not, not just too melodramatic, but it's just like, you've hit me on the head enough. Like, I get it. it it's it's bad. You don't have to say it's it's bad. And I, so I think I, I that's was, what this one did a couple of times where it's just like, sure. Yeah. You know, I, get I think it. I was fine with the, um, that ending, even though it's a, it's a little bit much. Um, but I, I think, you know, purposefully, um, and really sort of showing how like that this is something that that lawyer is going to have to live with, like, and it's going to yeah. haunt him and, you know, um, yeah, I, was I, fine with it. I don't really have any complaints about this one. Yeah, that it mm-hmm. didn't really bother me because um, I think it's sort of didactic in the way like Spike Lee can do. It just, for whatever reason, it happened to work for me in this. Or um, one thing I thought of actually when you first um, had brought that complaint in our chat like weeks ago was, um, have you ever seen the movie Mulade, either of you? The Mulade? Movie. Yeah, the oh, Simbad. I really, oh. really want Simbad. to. So that's an, that's another movie that like really um, is not subtle at all about its messaging and it's very didactic in a lot of ways. And like when I first watched it, it it sort of bothered me a little bit in that it's just so like clear about um, its moral messaging. But then I thought about it and I'm like, so it's a movie about uh, female circumcision. And I cool. thought about it. Yeah, Jenna. Jenna's facial. I wish we could have captured Jenna's facial I was trying to Google, being like, I've never heard of this. I should really look into this movie. And now I was like, oh. Yeah. (laughs) So I thought about it, and I'm like, well, for you know, a person living in the United States who that is not um, influencing my life in any way, like in a direct way. um, Sure, I can. I can have judgments about 
like, oh, this movie's too heavy handed about this subject. But then I thought about it and I'm like, it's, it's something that still goes on all the time. So why not be heavy handed about it? Like mm-hmm. if it's still actively happening in places, yeah, be, be as heavy handed as you want about it. And that's kind of where I land on this one where, you know, uh, this was at a time where I think it was maybe a year or two after this Poland actually, um, put a, f- I think it was a five year or a 10 year moratorium on death penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Uh, following a, like it, around 1990 so yeah. it was something that must have been like in the yeah. the zeitgeist at the time and I'm, I don't know how like if this had enough influence to you know sway people's minds on that but mm-hmm. it's one of those things where you know maybe they're being heavy handed but it's also something that I think is worth being heavy handed about so it doesn't yeah yeah and that said I'm going to complain I, about I, other I things don't mi- I don't mind them being heavy handed I just wish I mean, they already showed so much. I didn't think they needed to tell it as well. Yeah, if that I'll makes complain sense. about other things that I think are heavy-handed that are also about serious topics, like you know, tons of times when we talk about movies. So don't ever call me on my hypocrisy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I, I guess I just want to specify like the heavy-handedness of the message did not bother me. It was just that they had to outright like say it yeah. once or twice, especially at the ending. That I was like, you did enough showing me like 10 minutes of a brutal murder and then 10 minutes of a bureaucratic mm-hmm. murder. Yeah. And both of them are so horrifying. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's abhorrent. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I see, I see your complaint. It just for, like for in this one, it didn't bother me for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So what are your guys' favorite of these? This one was my favorite. Me too. Yeah. This was my middle of the pack one. <laughs> which, of these five. Which, which was your favorite? My you favorite one, was one. Right? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Then what is four. Your <laughs> okay. What is your guys' yeah, least favorite? Then five, then two or three. Yeah, yeah I, I, went, I went five, then one, then two, four, three. Yeah, mm-hmm. I went similar. Nick. Five, five, one, four, two, three. We kind of we kind of know which ones are generally the tops and which ones are generally yeah. the bottoms. Right. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five. And I one think and this five, will happen again good. when we discuss yeah. the second half. Yeah. And you uh, said at yeah. least one of you said three is like your least favorite overall, right? Like you think that's a yeah. low point. Yeah, Nix is. It's my okay. least favorite overall. Okay. Yeah. And I think for me two is my least favorite overall. If I okay. if I'm splitting hairs, but two three. Um, and eight, I think are all pretty close to meh, nine, two, nine, two, two, three, eight, and nine. It's definitely the bottom half. Um, and I think Nick agreed with me with that, but just the order was a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, I think at the extremes were a little bit different, but. Sort of like the general. I just I, I don't know if I could even commit to how I'd rank those four. None of them. I'll just okay, pretty good. Yeah, fair um, enough. There are no decalogue four. Jana's favorite. My favorite one. It was fine. It was very well made. I just. Yeah. It's a lot. It's so much. Yeah. It's, it's the. It's well, the most. so much. It is. Yeah. Five might be the most. I guess they're in very different ways. In very yeah. Six is a lot. Six is a lot. 
five is the the most uh like it's the only one that's sort of that tone and certainly that visual style None I, i'm a, i'm assu- i'm assuming it's the most violent also i'm i'm assuming none of the others have yes, that much yeah. sort of brutality. i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't even think anything from six through ten has any violence yeah maybe yeah. a little in nine but yeah well, i am excited it just gets, it, it's just depressing it's not violent yeah i'm excited to watch those this week and then have my own opinions all right this is dylan here from the editing room just saying this is where we stopped our first recording and we're going to pick up um where we were recording a week later discussing the back half of decalogue episode six through ten so hope you enjoy so wrapping up decalogue five i did want to mention that the short film about killing um actually received votes from ebert on the 2002 sight and sound poll um and it also had one three directors but the one listed here on the wikipedia page uh, made one of Jana's all-time favorite movies, and as com- and as we talked about in the past, directors that like works that are completely different from their own. But Mir Nair uh, mm. voted for a short film about killing. As uh... Jana, I can't hear you. This thing keeps muting itself. That is fascinating. <laughs> um, it's trying to save me from myself. Um, but no, that's actually that is a trend we've noticed. Is like you said, directors voting for mm-hmm. things that it's like wow you'd never make that but interesting that yeah no, it's like you appreciate <laughs> cool monsoon wedding a short film about <laughs> oh killing my God. you know same I mean, boat. monsoon wedding has, it has some darkness <laughs> but not not um not that level of darkness so that's to be sure it doesn't have the longest no, murder in does. film history no. so yeah uh <laughs> moving on to decalogue chapter six this is the one that is based on Thou shalt not commit adultery. And this is uh, the other chapter that was extended into a feature-length movie called A Short Film About Love. And it features a young man. He's like late teens, early 20s-ish. He works at a post office. And he likes to spy on a woman who lives in the apartment across from his with a telescope. And uh, he he doesn't he's not just a voyeur he does he has some like overt stalking type behavior so he he watches her through the window having sex and then he he will send her um he's uh he works at a post office he does something in a post office and he'll send her fake notices so that she will have to come and see him she ends up like almost getting in trouble for it um because she's accused of fraud because of one of these notices so the the young man who sent them to her ends up running after her confesses and then he ends up confessing to the whole thing she she forms this kind of odd relationship with him um that's you know her inquiring into the the nature of his behavior towards her and then she brings him back to her place at some point and um sort of makes a move on him he how shall I put this? Arrives early, is <laughs> very embarrassed yeah. by it. Yeah. yeah. How do you want to? How do you want to describe? Yeah, describe that sequence of events. <laughs> yeah. He. Um, I'm fine with the way. <laughs> tells him. Tells him that's what love is. <laughs> yes. And um, <laughs> he he leaves mortified, um, and subsequently attempts suicide, uh, and then the sort of the latter portion of the movie is her kind of wallowing and sort of taking on his role from the first half where she's become more like 
obsessed is maybe a strong word, but lightly obsessed with him, I guess, tries to find him and ultimately it ends up with, uh, she finds him again at the post office and he says, I'm not watching you anymore. And that is how it ends. So what did you guys think about this one? I have so many questions about this one. <laughs> um, so I have a lot of questions. We, we touched on this a little bit and I can't remember if this was on mic or off, but this is the adultery one. There's no adultery in yeah. it. Yeah. No. Um, it's it's also, it, like you said, it was expanded into a short film about love. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess there's a wide swath of what you could describe as what counts as a love story or not. But this is like also barely a quote. Yeah. Um, yeah, this one was interesting. Um, I got a little bit hung up on, I guess, those aspects of it. Um, I thought the kid was good. I thought she was good. Mm. Um, but yeah, weird. I, I had some, some questions about the thematic <laughs> sort of thought outness of what he was going for here. It really has nothing to do with adultery. And I think, so two, three, and four all have adultery. Um, we're jumping ahead, but mm-hmm. uh, nine has adultery? Or Nine. Yeah. Oh, Which, yeah. Yes, nine. Yeah. I, 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 I couldn't remember if it was eight or that nine. That should be the one about adultery. Yeah. So... Forty percent of them have adultery. Yeah. None of those are the one mm-hmm. that is based on the adultery commandment. So I'm not sure right. how they landed yeah. on this. If it's maybe something like <laughs> maybe the story morphed in the writing process, and they're just like, "Ah, fuck it, we've come this far." But I don't know. Yeah, I agree <laughs> thematically. It yeah, really the thing is the the yeah, and the commandment listed for nine is "Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife." Uh, which is the sanctity of contentment, sex, jealousy, and faithlessness, according that's to the Wikipedia better page. better here. That seems it. That's that's Decalogue mm-hmm. 6 right there. Yeah. 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 Do you guys know how much about the development like... of this was... Oh. <laughs> we have a crazy delay, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> I guess yeah. my question was, do you guys know how much about the um, development of this was like reverse engineered? Did he sit down and was like... Ten Commandments, and I'm going to pick a story, or was it just sort of like I'm like telling? You know, I guess we don't know, but it, it feels a little bit like throwing a dart and being like, I don't know, adultery, this one, because there's sure. kind of sex in it, but yeah, I don't know. Do, are, are the commandments like in a different order in different countries, maybe? Like, because you like if you were to swap these two, it fits pretty perfectly, I think. Like this and nine. Yeah, I guess maybe that's the issue, because I think they're in biblical order. I think. I don't know. I'm not an authority. Um, but I I thought so, too. But I think, I guess once, but, like, why not just swap the order of the movies? Why, why couldn't this one be the ninth and that one, or this, and that one be the sixth? There's no reason. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have any yeah, connection. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and I don't think we even see anybody in this one, whereas, like, in three, seeing the dad from one pop up again has more emotional resonance than if three had come before one. But I don't think mm-hmm. this one has any of that. And nope. nine doesn't mm-hmm. either, as far as I remember. No, me neither. I don't know. But besides that, like taking this on its own terms, mm-hmm. I think it's a good movie. Um, I'm curious to watch the feature a short film about love because I know the ending is different, which I guess is I was, sort I was, of beyond. I was going to ask if you knew what, this. like, how, where it's expanded in the in that one, like how 
where the story is expanded to make it more of a feature. Yeah. So my understanding, at least, I don't, I don't know how it how they you know stretch it out to uh, make it longer, but I know that the end. I think it ends with her looking into a. Te- she's with him, and then it has her looking into a telescope, and she sees the two of them through the telescope. So it's. I don't know exactly how it plays out because I've just read about it, but they're at least like physically together whether or not they're like emotionally or romantically together mm. um but that's certainly a different ending uh-huh. than this one that it's kind of hmm. bleak is maybe str- a strong word for it but doubt. it's left really open yeah it's it's open it's sort of a doubt da- like a dour ending i guess although mm-hmm. he's no longer stalking her mm-hmm. which is good <clears throat> Right. I was going to say, it's probably a good ending for him, right? Like, if he has actually moved on, yeah. that's mm-hmm. probably a you know, happy ending for From him. From being a stalker. Yeah, because like, yeah, like you said, it's not just that it, it was, it'd be one thing if it was just like he's a voyeur. He watches her through a telescope. But like, he is like a full stalker. Like you said, he's, he's giving her these fake notices so she'll have to come to the post office, which at one point almost gets her arrested because mm-hmm. he's sending her fraudulent yes. documents. Um, he takes the job as the milkman so that he can go to her house. Um, like he's he's actively uh, trying to insert himself in her life to obviously an unhealthy degree. Um, I was going to ask Dylan. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the um, not great <coughs> way that uh, this this one treats a suicide attempt <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, the issues with that. So yeah, I think this is probably the best except for the suicide which really derails i think a lot of the like emotional weight and just overplays its hand a little too much um i think it would have been better if he just kind of left and never came back and that's what started like frustrating her and wondering where he was um so the list of the action alliance for um how to portray suicide Use non-judgmental language. There's no real language about it at all. It's not really brought up much. Uh, depict the grieving and healing process of people who lose someone to suicide. Someone, no one's lost. Um, consult with suicide prevention messaging experts. We don't know if he did. Avoid showing or describing the details about the suicide methods. Uh, no. That. Yeah. That fail. Big fail. Um Portray everyday characters who can be a lifeline. Huge no. Krzysztof uh, Kieslowski is not interested in anyone having a lifeline in any no. of these. Um, portray characters with suicidal thoughts who do not go on to die by suicide or attempt suicide. He well, doesn't even have suicidal thoughts, really. So. Yeah, I was going to say, these, throughout Decalogue, it's just... It's just a lot of suicide attempts, <laughs> uh, is, is what it yeah. is, yeah. Uh, show that help is available. Nick, you can say something. Oh, oh no, no, I, I, th- I thought you were... No, I didn't. I, th- I thought you were <laughs> no, finished. No, so, yeah, no, I want you to... Yeah, keep keep going, and then when you're done, I'll um, kind of follow up on... I'll circle back to my point. There's two more. Okay. So, the second to last one is show that help is available, which, again, Kislowski is not interested in showing that... Pe- that there is actual help in the world for people. And lastly, and this is the big one it breaks, convey that suicide is complex and often caused by a range of factors rather than by a single event. See, uh, yeah, that, I thought <sighs> I thought that that would be um, 
a criticism of it. And for me, the way this character is written, it feels um, true to his character. Like he, he, like even though he's not verbalizing um, depression, he certainly seems depressed. And I would take that same that major criticism, like the the last point that you made. Um, or that you read in, I think that fits perfectly with one of my issues with nine. Cause nine, I don't buy that that character. Oh, and and yeah, we'll, <laughs> comes we'll up. get there. All these we'll come up again in nine. Nine is wild. Yeah, we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> but for, for six, at least my reading of that character, like when he has the suicide attempt, um, you know, it's not done perfectly, but it still feels like, I, I don't feel surprised by it, I guess. Whereas in nine, I'm just like, are you serious? Like, it makes so much more sense that he would leave as opposed to ride his bike off <laughs> the bridge. So, um, I mean, I guess it's it's more a matter of, like, your personal reaction to um, how a character develops. But for me, it felt true to um, the way, not just that it's written, but mostly the way that the actor, and I, I don't have his name, but the way he plays this character, he's just so, like, he just seems beaten down by it, by everything. And that's sort of what led to, like, you get the sense that that's kind of what mm-hmm. led to this behavior. That's, um, it's sort of like Blue Velvet in a way where, have you guys seen Blue Velvet? No. Yeah. <laughs> I am curious to hear how it's like it, though. Okay. Where his, like, voyeuristic tendencies are really, um, like, the manifestation of things that are wrong with him. Mm-hmm. personally um so i think he does a really good job of of portraying that and you know that's that's not th- stuff that is in the script um but i think he does a good job of of showing that so that's that was my personal reaction to it which is why i'm i don't find it as like problematic or i guess untruthful uh the way you do but i think that's just a matter of taste so you know if you don't like it you don't like it i i kind of also dislike the way that they portray the after effects, which is like, it, it it almost turns into something like a, a revenge suicide in my opinion, because like after he does it, um, then she starts liking him and is obsessed by him. Yeah. And it's like, that kind of, he never would have gotten what he wanted unless he committed attempted suicide. Cause then she realizes how important, like he was to her right fantasy or imagination of her life or something yeah and and in terms of both problematic depiction and then also just like you know borderline story storytelling choice i think you're that's what stood out to me too was that basically it works mm-hmm. it's like it's like a cry you know it's a cry for attention that works it gets her attention and it makes her interested in him and whether it's feeling bad for mm-hmm. him or whatever her motivations are um yeah which you know, not not a great message to be like, yeah, do this, and then the person who has rejected you will come around. Um, but it's you know, it's it's very clean as far as just That's right. And this with is three. Yeah. Yep. That again, we did kind of bring that up with three. Yeah. True. Yeah. Does it? Does a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Three is the exact same thing. Where it's like it in all of that, it was sort of it. it yeah, it was a cry for attention that worked. But that Nine, came down to a personal ultimatum then, like... Right. And they never knew about the attempt. Right, right, and right. And this one, it was, 
the attempt causes yeah. the change. Yeah, it was, that one was more of just but, sort of like a holding it over his head. Here's what I was going to do. Here's where my headspace is. This is an actual, and like yeah. you said, fairly not, not the good. most, gra- I was worried that it was going to be even more graphic, like when the scene started, um, but it's, you know, they don't, they don't shy away from short. A lot of, they cut away, they cut away quickly. and they don't show you like actual, like cut. Um, that's just a lot of blood, which is gross enough on its own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I do think this is probably the best written besides just the ridiculous sort of middle act, mm-hmm. uh, action that happens um and i really like the way these characters are fleshed out and um yeah it's very interesting Mm -hmm. and i just i I wish it was just handled in a different way um because it could have gone from really good to like really perfect yeah and i wonder if the feature length version um clarifies any of that at all have you watched the feature length no i haven't um not even when I watched Ecolog originally, so I can't even try to pull something from my memory. Um, but yeah, maybe I, yeah. I I never felt like the character was depressed. I thought he was maybe like disturbed, but I never got any sort of like he was struggling with something before he uh, attempted than anything. So I would hope if the the movie is. I mean, the story is expanded, but I would hope that that would be one of the things it expands on if that was the main kind of plot turn in the movie. I would like that. All right. Should we move on to seven then? Yeah, the only, the only final thing yeah. I was going to add just very quickly is we didn't bring it up when we were talking about the plot is I did like the moment or thought the moment was interesting when uh, Magda, yes, Magda is the woman's name. Um, she like six her one lover on him like she sets him up to get caught and then and then of course then mm-hmm. then he's like the guy she's sleeping with sees him through the telescope goes over there and like this is like you know basically come out here and i'm just like atomic no don't go out there what are you gonna do like <laughs> he makes a lot of self-destructive choices in this but i i like that moment i thought that was an interesting twist on on their <laughs> dynamic i liked magda she was an interesting character so the next uh chapter is Chapter 7, which is based on the commandment, Thou shalt not steal. And it is about a um, young woman who's like maybe her early 20s. She's college-aged. And she has what we believe uh, on a surface to be a younger sister who is six. And then she lives with her mother and father and the young girl. Um, one day, the college-aged girl named Micah uh, goes to the elementary school where the little girl is. Her name is Anka. She um, basically absconds. Uh, She takes the girl from some school production that they're doing. The uh, mother looks around frantically for her, realizes that the uh, young girl has disappeared. And we learn later from uh, Micah that she's actually the young girl's mother, uh, her biological mother in that her mother had basically said when she got pregnant, we'll pretend like the daughter, like your daughter is mine and we'll tell everyone that this is her younger sister. And she agreed to it at first and uh, over the years has grown resentful. She feels like um, that her daughter was stolen from her. So she tries to recapture her. They're going to go off to Canada. She goes to the um, child's father's house and stays there. 
um, for a part of an evening. He ends up uh, ultimately calling her mom and telling her that um, the two girls are with them and they're about to leave. So they go to the train station where um, the the six-year-old hears the grandmother's voice, runs to her, and Micah ends up leaving on the train by herself, uh, looking very, very upset. So there are two stealings going on here, really. Um, there's the, I guess, I don't know if it's technically kidnapping. I don't know. It's a weird, like, uh, <laughs> legal and ethical dilemma. Is Is Micah stealing or kidnapping Anka, but then... Um, that's all sort of subsequent to or attendant to um, the her mother stealing her daughter from her and having to pose as her sister. So what did you guys think about this one? But before we uh, continue on with Seven, we're going to have to talk about Arthur and the Milk with Six. Yeah, we forgot our check-in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what did he do in Six? So it says on six, and I honestly can't even remember this off the top of my head, but it says man carrying bags of groceries. Sure. Oh, no, I think, um, what's the kid's Tomic? name that's in six? Tomic? Tomic. Uh, Tomic, like, runs by carrying the milk, and he's all excited, oh. and he splashes it, like, over a puddle. Oh, and he gets right, right. and he gets mm-hmm. him wet and he's kind of like what the heck dude but yeah. hey I'm glad you're happy you know he just kind of yeah. gives okay. him a look but yeah that's it that's right. yeah so we get a I mean there's yeah, a lot he becomes of milk a milkman um, <laughs> there's a that's, lot of milk yeah <laughs> yeah that's the you most really, milk, you, yeah. milk heavy yeah you don't yeah. have to go searching for the yeah. milk in this one yeah so but that's Indeed. like Arthur and the milk yeah. sort of like to guess. Finally, Finally coming together. It's coming yeah, together. That's yeah. That's like a peak synergy. Um, True. <laughs> all right. So in seven, what did you guys think about seven, Dylan? I know you really like this one. I love seven. I thought seven was going to be my favorite until I watched ten. Um, this is the one I just the emotion of the characters worked the most for me. Like I really actually cared what happened. And I feel like it might have been the first time I truly cared since one. Um, A lot of these are just like, they're kind of emotionally draining or, you know, you're seeing horrible people doing horrible things. Um, And a a lot of it's very interesting and compelling. It's just, I never get like really attached. And in this one, I got so attached to what was going on. And I honestly didn't really remember where this one was going. So that that might have been another reason. Um, And I I see a lot of people... Like, I went through a bunch of letterbox lists of how people rate these, and this always comes in the bottom three or four. Hmm. And I, really? I literally, I cannot explain it, because this is the one I just felt the most compelled watching. Um, I thought it had probably the best characters, and um, just the resolution of... Um, I, I'm kind of like this one, and I kind of like Ten for the same reason, where the commandment that is broken is not necessarily punished. Um in this one, she kind of has to accept the way the things are and move on without them. Um, and I, I just found that more interesting than, like, you believed the computer and went on the lake, and now you <laughs> shall die. But Yeah, so, I, 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 I love this one. Um, it was, I just found it 
terribly sad. Just ter- like, and what's interesting about this one is it doesn't mm-hmm. have the same yeah. stakes. You know, not not that like what um, my how do you pronounce the name of the the like college age girl? Is it it's Maika? Maika. No, um um like not i mean what she's what she has gone through and is going through is like harrowing and terrible yep um but in so many of the other ones like someone Mm. dies or there's a suicide attempt or you know um and this one is just a very like you know in terms of life and death it's not the highest of stakes but it's just so so sad and she's i find micah to be just I really like you feel for her like you it's but she's also such a frustrating character because I'm like how do you think this is gonna yeah. work yeah you, <laughs> like, like you could tell this is not going great right exactly from the although I will say um credit to her pretty pretty uh good abduction initial abduction plan oh, like waiting yeah. in the wings of the play the kids were all over the place just grabbing her off the side of the stage and make it I was like okay if you're gonna if you're gonna grab a kid, that's a pretty good way to do it without anyone noticing until it's too late. Yeah. Um, but after that, the plan just breaks down immediately. And mm-hmm. like thinking that she could just tell this this six year old like, "No, I'm your mom. It's fine. We're just gonna go away. I'm your mom." Like that's not how kids work. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, but it was heartbreaking yeah. when she was holding her and just like, "Micah, no, yeah, mom, yeah. Micah." Yeah. <laughs> Like, making her call her mom. Yeah, that was that's, brutal. And that's sort of the um, tragedy of the story to me is that, like, no matter what mm-hmm. she does, like, the the grandmother, like, the, you know, biological grandmother has already been her mother figure mm-hmm. for six years. It's like she's already been imprinted with right. her as her mother no matter what yeah. she does. Like, that's been robbed from her, and she can't do anything to bring it back. Right. And it's pretty, like... <laughs> like, you get the sense that what... She could possibly bring it back over years, but just... I mean, they've escaped to the middle of this house in the middle of nowhere with this dude that she doesn't even know. Right. Like, it, this is not the place to begin the practice of right to be like explaining no, the <laughs> situation. Well, I think in her mind, this is the best yeah. chance that she had. Like, the mother, the the grandmother, whatever the, the yeah. older woman is clearly like a kind of a domineering, and you get the sense she was sort of psychologically abusive. Yeah. Um, yep. Figure yeah. to her, so this is really like. Given the hand she's been dealt, her best out, um, mm-hmm. in order to like sort of reform a life with this young girl who's actually her daughter. This so this is the movie um, or the chapter of these that um, improved the most for me on a rewatch. I would say because I think like five and one I always really really liked, and then you know two and three. Um, I'd always felt like a little bit weaker towards and this one I remember being like sort of down on the first time I watched it or maybe not down but relatively speaking um yeah but, sure we're we're talking about all of these on a curve Yeah yeah but this time I would say that it's right. I'm I'm looking at them all and I would probably put this as my third favorite behind 5 and 1 mm-hmm. I I I really loved it this time I don't know if it's that like I watched it this time after having a couple kids and I think the first time i watched it i didn't have any and i don't know if that changed like changed my reaction as to the like the first time where i'm like less emotionally involved i guess i don't know but i i really mm-hmm. loved um I, this chapter it like besides five and one is the one that made me feel uh, i had the most emotional resonance to this one so that was very good 
And it was nice that it could bring those feelings without having to employ a life or death stake or mm-hmm. a suicidal stakes. It could mm-hmm. just be a truly human stake. Um, and I think the person, let me quickly check. Oh, I have, who, who is the actress that plays Micah? Do either of you guys have it up real quick? Uh, I don't. It looks like, it looks like her name. Okay. I you want me to try to <laughs> yes. pronounce her name. Um, yes. It looks like it's maybe <laughs> Ma- Maya Berelkoska. I'm sure Maya Berelkoska would say that's exactly how you're supposed to pronounce it. <laughs> I'm sure she would. Um, it might be again. It depends on how you pronounce that J. It could be Maja, but if we're if we're saying Micah, then I'm gonna say Maya. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe it is Majka, and I'm pronouncing yeah. it wrong. I I'll, I'll be honest. It had the squiggle underneath it on my uh, notes yeah. my oh, notes no. app, and it was covering up the curve of the J. So I I thought it was M A I. So that may uh, May J. I don't the Pol- yeah Polish names are, yeah. are tough stuff. One of one of my other favorite things about this episode is the relationship between the guy and Majka or Majka, mm-hmm. um, and also the guy sort of beginning to interact with his daughter for the first mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And at first, she's like, I, "No, like this was not part of the plan that we made." Um, and then slowly mm-hmm. starting to warm up to her, and is like, "This is kind of beautiful to have this kid." And it reminded me a lot of. Um, Nick seen Mikey and Nikki, which is a movie I've watched recently. It reminded me a lot of uh, Nikki going back home and trying to get the um, his baby daughter to hold his finger one last time. Um, just sort of a man slowly realizing like how important it is to have this sort of connection, especially with the child. It's a pretty beautiful sort of arc inside the story. The stuff with the guy was weird <laughs> uh, for me. Um, I thought I thought he was a good performance, um, but it's the whole series of events that led to, like, she, he was a yeah. teacher, she was a student, she yeah, was. I did not 16. like the background idea. Of yeah, what the background, and then and the reason he took off was big, and so the 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 mom grandma um, was like I guess Mama the principal grandma. of the school hired him as a teacher he impregnates her teenage daughter and then they basically tell him to go away to avoid the scandal um because it frankly it would reflect poorly on her it's kind of implied Mm, that she hired this guy and this happened so it's almost her own self-preservation oh you slept with my teenage daughter you need to go away so that that doesn't embarrass me personally (laughs) um it, it reflects poorly on him yeah or, i mean yeah, i'd say added, it mostly you know, reflects poorly the, on him <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> most, mostly reflects poorly on him um but you know also add to the list of sort of the terrible things that the uh that majka's mom yes. did from the beginning um but yeah and i i agree though i did i thought it was very moving um you know i like when because when she first showed up at his house i thought he might just send mm. her away mm-hmm. you know i thought maybe that would just be you know she'd stop in and he was like i don't i can't deal with this so like it's the I only it. episode that someone can look for help in, with someone else that right. like we were just talking and about. There's a lifeline. Right. And it seems like he it's, he seems like he was very sincere about helping her maybe until he realized this. I, almost it seems like he realized this was not good for uh, the little mm-hmm. girl. Right? Anka. Like, I think he really... Uh, yeah, Anya, Anka. I think he realized that she... That this was not, yeah, exactly. That this was not in her best interest. Once he did have that bonding moment with her, and you know, there's also a running thread about her having like terrible nightmares yeah. where she just screams mm-hmm. and nobody can wake her up. 
Um, and I, he witnesses that and I think is like, Ugh, okay, I need to, I need to call the, the parents and let them know what's happening here. And yeah, so it's, I, I sort of went back and forth on how I felt about him, but I do agree that it's a, it's a nice little mini arc of, of his story mm-hmm. uh, it built in there. Yeah. I, I love the ending to this one. Um, it's so yeah. good. Like this and one, I think, have the most like the quintessential Decalogue type endings. That's like very quiet, very understated. Somebody just looking sad as shit, and then you hear like the piano play. And um, (laughs) yeah, I I love the way this one ends. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I do wish because the Arthur in this episode does not come up, but he was supposed to appear at the railway station, um, just as she's like running, trying to run away. Um, mm-hmm. I think if he was just there, that would have actually added some, a little bit more significance of like, this is kind of where the story is changing. Mm-hmm. It seems like mm-hmm. that's kind of where he appears. Um, yeah. but either way, he, he's just kind of an extra little spice <laughs> in this movie. I, I find yeah. the actual story is a lot more important. And like I said, this one had probably my favorite story. Yeah, good. Are we done? Did we run out of things yeah, to say yeah, about yeah, it? Yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> I mean, okay. yeah, no, it is like, it's just like, um, we talked, we talk, did we talk about milk? There's, there's no milk, there's milk in, this. in this. Oh, oh no. They talk about They're breastfeeding. About breastfeeding. Yeah. They do, yeah, and how she can't, um, um, yeah, that is, that is, yeah, so that's how it comes up. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was, it was very sad, especially considering that it wasn't about anyone dying or almost Woo. dying, so. Yeah, a nice, a nice little uh, break uh, in that regard. Yeah. Anyway, right, on to the less good ones. Okay. Um, all right. So, Decalogue, episode eight. This one um, is about the commandment is, there sh- thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Um, this is a, like, very oddly meta episode of Decalogue, I would say, for a couple of different reasons that we'll get into. Um, but basically, uh, it's about this older, elderly, like, ethics professor at a college. Um, she's a sporty lady. She's an ethics professor. Um, there is a younger visiting um, professor, I guess, or academic who comes to comes from the United States to visit the university and is going to sit in on one of the classes so there is an ethics lecture where they sounds like a class where they just sit around and um, pose ethical dilemmas to each other and then have um, their takes <laughs> on them. Um, they go in. I want to see the syllabus. Or, yeah, I want to see the syllabus too. Um, you know, after a brief discussion of the ethical dilemma posed by one of the prior episodes <laughs> by uh, Decalogue Two, um, which we find out that apparently everyone knows about, everyone knows each other's business in this Decalogue apartment building. Um, then the visiting professor gives a ethical dilemma example of her own, which is what if there was a little girl who needed to, who was Jewish in Poland in 1943 and needed to be hid from the Nazis, and there was a Catholic family who was hiding her, and they were going to try to place her with a foster family, but in order to do that, they would need to basically falsify like a baptism mm-hmm. certificate to show that she really was baptized Catholic. And the mother of the family said, I cannot bear false witness and tell this lie. And so, child, you are going to be on your own. Good luck to you. 
Um, and as she's telling a story, we see just terrible recognition on the older ethics professor's face, and it becomes clear very quickly that the older ethics professor is the mom in this story, and the younger woman is the little girl in this story. And there's a sort of reckoning about what happened in this um, you know, Holocaust era, and we get some back and forth on the true story and, and what happened and why would you do this to me? And basically it comes out that um, she herself was actually lying. The reason why she couldn't give up the, little, the girl to the other family is that they believed that family was secretly aligned with the mm -hmm. Gestapo. Um, and I guess the mom's husband was part of the secret resistance, and so they were trying to protect themselves. And then the story just kind of keeps going, and they have a series of, <laughs> like, going to visit the apartment building where this took place. And then they go to find the guy who would have been her adopted father, and he's like, I don't want to talk about the war. Um, and then that's kind of the end of the story. They sort of make peace with what happened. Um, yeah. Apparently this is based on a somewhat true story, uh, according to Wikipedia anyway, that someone they know went through an example or went through a situation like this. So, yeah. What do you guys think? I get the sense people don't really love <laughs> this entry in the Decalogue. I think the they're the, the roots of a really um, interesting and moving ethical dilemma here. Like, how uh -huh. how would you respond if, um, like, you're tasked with saving a child's life, but it may costs you your own and it's you know a kid that you don't even know i think that's a really interesting question and i think the movie tries to um like uncover that a little bit it just doesn't really go far enough it feels like this movie should be two hour like two hours long and okay. it has like just such weird pacing issues where like you said in the middle of it we just kind of look like go to the apartment complex for a little while nothing really happens yeah. and then at the end we we meet this guy and we get nothing from him he's just like he's right he's so clearly weird. had a shitty life but we don't get anything more yeah and then right. it just kind of ends yeah yeah i like so i i think i knew i i had seen that this one was maybe not super well regarded and the first like 15 minutes i was like this is this was great like what a fascinating yeah. sort of setup and i was i was like i can't wait to tell everyone how wrong they are how this is the best one yeah. <laughs> and then it just and then and then it proceeded um, yeah with its its te really terrible pacing and it's just it never goes beyond that initial sort of service level question yeah. Really. Whereas, like, I think seven is the perfect length. I don't really need another hour's worth of seven. I would have loved a short film about bearing false witness against the neighbor that's yeah. just more fleshed mm -hmm. out. It doesn't feel fully fleshed out. Um, and that's kind of... At, at the same I time, though, I feel like I could edit this down 20 minutes. Right, yeah. Or it, something. Yeah, it, it feels overstuffed like and underdone. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it either needs to be a full-length feature or it needs to just be like an actual sort short. of yeah. short story, short film where you just get the like twist of it was her and then that's, you know, the entire story because it doesn't it doesn't get much beyond that and it just keeps on going for the hour. Um, the the other thing I wanted to mention about it being meta was there actually is like a brief sort of discussion of the bearing false witness mm -hmm. and how like that wasn't like so sort of they actually sort of call out that in this one the commandment is is actually referenced and whether or not it applies yeah. to the situation or not which is and it ultimately doesn't like you think it does but it was right. a, it was a lie that it did which is interesting right yeah. it was a different because they were telling a different lie um what did you guys think about them 
like having someone tell the story of what happened in Decalogue 2 in that Atrocious. opening. It's so it's strange. Like at, at first when it started, I was like, oh, this story is similar. And then it kept going. I'm like, this is the actual story. And it takes Are... up like six minutes right, of this movie. Right. And then she was like, Warsaw's a small town. They live in my building. How does everybody that, know? That poor <laughs> cuckolded husband. Like, everybody knows this business. <laughs> they've, they've been through. They, they went through that entire terrible situation. Then the mean cab driver did not let them get in the cab. Now their business is <laughs> being just and, talked about in yeah, ethics classes. Ethics 101 class. Yeah. Yeah, that. Yeah, that. I was like, uh, okay, I don't know how I feel about Hated this, but that. all right. And then, Hated yeah, it so much. It's so strange. Um, I and what's funny is I, I theoretically like, um, the interwovenness. I I like the sort of Decalogue cinematic university quality when someone pops up, and you know, this is too much though. There's a character in this one who's going to be referenced in the next one. Like it's you know the, the, the continuity keeps going, but yeah, that is that was too much, and it also raises questions about the world and who's talking to who and why. Did that? Doctor and it's like we saw this like... movie. We don't need <laughs> yes. to discuss it in ethics <laughs> class oh. in the movie. Oh. Yeah, and also the girl who poses the question has, like, had really distracting styling. I couldn't tell if she was wearing a wig or just had, like, crazy dyed dark hair and, like, this bright sweater. It, she it was the really only person that reminded me this took place in the 80s. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really sort of took me out. I was like, oh, okay, she's she's stylish, I guess, for the time, but yeah. I think my main criticism is going to come down to, I'm going to read the Eber quote I picked out. <clears throat> oh. There is not a moment when characters talk about specific commandments or moral issues. Instead, they are absorbed in trying to deal with real-life ethical challenges. All this movie does is just discuss <laughs> the moral and ethical issues. and never yeah. does anything with them. And yeah. But the problem is, it's just such a great concept. Mm-hmm. This is an incredible yeah. story that could be captured... Right. And I, I, I don't even mind if it's, like, talked about a lot and it's, like, confronted from a 20 years later sort of mm-hmm. perspective of these two people having to meet and understand each other. But having the ethics class and then just having them talk about it. And she does, and she builds this whole story up and then she, like, does this dramatic, ah, but there's a twist ending in this real life story where you almost died in the Holocaust. Yeah. And then they go to the place and nothing happens and then... It, it, uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. They go to I'm one getting... place and they go to one place and nothing happens and they go to a different place and nothing happens there yeah, either. I... Like it's <laughs> Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. I... this one is maybe not the worst, because I still think maybe two is the worst. Mm-hmm. But this one makes me the most frustrated because it's so interesting. Yeah. It could have been one of the best. S- yeah. Ends up so bland. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was so drawn in by the premise. Mm-hmm. And it just Yeah, it's just disappointing that like and and so many of the other ones are so well executed. I just don't know how the ball got dropped yeah. here on this one. Part of it, I think, is that it's like the um, subtext becoming text uh, in like such an overt yeah. way, whereas the others kind of toe that line a little bit, but it don't go like this mm-hmm. far out. The one thing that I do think is interesting, at least about when they go to, to look at the old apartment, is that the, the younger woman disappears for a while. And it gives the older oh, yeah. it gives the older woman like sort of a sense of abandonment in that apartment complex that the younger woman must have felt as a child, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't nail it the way right. that it needs to. Yeah, they're, that's because they're not talking out yeah. explicitly yeah. the moral or ethical issues. They're actually showing it for once. 
Can yeah. I, there's there's something that it's just going to keep eating away at my head that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, mm-hmm. but I thought of it and and <laughs> sure. I just need to bring it up. So sure, you yeah. need to say it out. So <laughs> it's it sounds um like when we were saying that it, it's either too short or it's too long. That sounds um like counterintuitive. Like how can a movie both be too long and too short? And the mm-hmm. example that I used for like a year after I saw it was um, the third Avengers movie, Infinity... What is it? Infinity War? Yes. That's not a... It's, it's, it's half that, a movie. That it's movie's, not a movie. That movie's three, I, hour, I have a lot that of movie's three hours long. Anymore. It either needs to be an hour 45 or it needs to be like eight hours long. So that's, yeah. that was yeah. that, that yeah. was my go-to example it's, of a movie that's both too short and too long, paradoxically. Yeah. It feels yeah, like that absolutely. that needs to be like a whole season of a television show. Right, right, right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or they. Yeah. Or they should have just. Yeah. Crammed it down to the essential elements. That's that's, that's a good like example, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I think. Um. No. That's actually a really. Yeah. Good but I think example. this this fits into the same thing. It could it could be a competent like all the emotional beats would be the same or probably better if it was half the length. Um. And I think it could be a, mm. an incredible movie if you just like flesh out some of those, like just put a little bit more work into those loose threads and just make this two hours. I think it could have been something really incredible. Yeah. yeah I agree. So um, fine, but disappointing. Yeah. 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 Um, check in on our recurring elements. Um, I guess I have to admit I didn't see it, but apparently there is a bottle of milk on the table when they're um, <laughs> having dinner together. Which, sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, and then, unsurprisingly, um, our our buddy Arthur is one of the students at the university um, in the university sequence. Did you guys so. get the sense that when um, it showed him, he had a very like, what the hell's going on? Look on his face. Yes. Yeah. Because they, they actually, because at first when I was watching, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to spot him. But kind of like in five when he's the construction worker and they like really zoom in on him they did the same thing here yeah. they really they really zoom in on him and he he definitely seems to be reacting in a way where he's like what? he was uh? like i was an orderly at that hospital <laughs> right exactly <laughs> i remember that happening um yeah i thought that was interesting too yeah you're promising but but yeah I, I think you're right too i think it's lower on my rankings for me just because of the disappointment factor. If I hadn't, mm-hmm. if the premise wasn't so good, I'd otherwise be like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. it's fine. But yeah. All right. You guys want to talk about nine? <laughs> yeah. This is the only one that actually competes with two for just being like the stinkiest of them all. Yeah. So we're going to, we're nine is going to revisit a lot of themes <laughs> that have already been covered yeah. in Decalogue. Um, so- Which is probably one of its biggest problems. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Um, so as we um, mentioned earlier, this one should be thou shalt not commit adultery, but it's not. It's thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Um, and we are introduced to our main character, Roman, who himself is a doctor, but the opening scene is him finding out that he has like uh, permanent impotence, basically. I almost said terminal <laughs> impotence, which... For him, kind of, but <laughs> permanent impotence. Um, and his friend, his colleague, doctor friend, is like, "Yeah, you, you, sorry." Well, um, is basically, like, "Yeah, your your life is terrible. You'll never have you know sexual relations again. Um, you know, too bad about that attractive young wife you have." Um, 
And so, you know, he lets his wife know what's happening. They decide to that they can stay together and make it work. Um, you know, it seems like he is, you know, open to the idea of if she needs to get sexual fulfillment elsewhere. Um, you know, that's something she could do. And she's like, no, no. Um, and then, of course, we find out she does end up having an affair with some young neighbor guy. Um, kind of a weird hippie looking dude yeah um and yeah he's weird looking um and roman becomes very jealous he he sort of like sees him lurking around then he figures out that they are rendezvousing at his wife's mother's house which that's a weird place to go to have your affairs um <laughs> you can't um, hear us but he, we're nodding very hard yeah i was gonna say they're, I both, didn't, they're just like making faces like i didn't what? want to interrupt but it, i was nodding aggressively <laughs> but, yeah, that was a weird plot point. Um, and so, you know, he finds out, and there's a couple sequences of him, like, you know, tor- torturing him. He's like, speaking of, like, voyeurism, he, he, is, he watches them, but not. it does not seem like it's making him happy. It's like masochism, mm-hmm. kind of. Um, and so, watches them have a couple of their rendezvous. Um, and then, you know, basically, we just figure out that the woman feels bad. She's going to call it off. Um, she realizes he's been watching her. Um, basically, I think at this point she decides they're going, or he decides they're going to take a break. And she, um, she's a stewardess, by the way. So she decides to go on a solo skiing trip. Oh, also, I forgot the, um, lover is of course now in love Mm -hmm. with her and, and wants her to leave the husband for him. She says, no, I'm staying with my husband. She goes on this skiing trip. The lover follows her there. Um, without her knowledge or interest in that happening. Roman finds out about it, that this has happened, and he's under the mistaken impression that they have gone off together. So um, he decides to now attempt suicide because of how sad he is. And I am sorry, the most comical way I've ever seen anybody <laughs> attempt suicide. I was I kind laughed. of chuckling. I rewound time. and I watched it again. <laughs> um, we have seen him biking. I, I left all of that out because whatever. Um, we've seen him biking a lot. He like bikes. We see him in a scene earlier, like bike down these like cobblestones sort of towards the water where I was like, what are you, what are you doing? I think <laughs> you are bad at I th- biking. I think I know exactly why he has incurable impotence. Because <laughs> he's just like torturing his body there's, by uh, being so bad. There's at actually bike a Bob's Burgers episode, like to this effect, where Bob's uh, <laughs> hair, like his mustache hair, starts falling out. And spoiler alert for an episode of Bob's Burgers, but it's because he's like riding an exercise bike too much, and it's causing like hormonal <laughs> uh, imbalance or something like that. Can't be oh, helping this guy's situation. So, riding downstairs. Oh my god. So. <laughs> He ultimately decides to attempt suicide by just, like, riding a bike off of a bridge. And there's, like, a shot of him just sort of, like, ass over tea kettles that were just, like, falling off but uh, the what, bridge. But, like, then there's a shot of it, like, going over the bridge. And it's it's a it's a drop, but it's, yeah, it's like, 10 feet. It's, like, 10 feet. And you can just, like, see him lying sadly on the concrete. <laughs> and he doesn't even look that banged up. No. Um, but the, the funniest part to me is, okay, Arthur coming in. But Arthur is on, like, the street next to him, and then it starts separating. Arthur just is looking at him like, like dude, what? that's going to end. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're going to run out of road over there. Um, anyway, end of the story. Um, wife comes home, finds a suicide note he's left, um, and then tracks her, or she tracks him down at a hospital where we just sort of, like, see him in a full body cast. Um, and then they, like 
talk on the phone at the end and then it's over. Yeah. Um, yeah, not not great. No. <laughs> not not one of the best. Um, just just revisiting. We've had so many um, infidelity stories in this, yeah. like fully half of them, pretty much. Um, we've sort of had like sexual dysfunction a little bit, like sort sort of in six, little you know, and then that's sort of come up before. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> What'd you guys think? <laughs> Like I said earlier, just the way this culminates with his suicide attempt, I just don't buy it even for a second. And and like you said, it's like the the way that he attempts suicide, it almost looks like an accident. Like if he if he hadn't written the letter, you'd be like, is he just the dumbest cyclist like he didn't see that because i mean we already saw him biking on the cobblestone like an idiot right yeah yeah so i don't know it just doesn't it doesn't play for me either like thematically like the character i don't buy it i don't buy the way it was like sort of visually executed or staged um the other stuff i mean i I think the performance of the wife is really good i i thought she was actually yeah i I thought she was was quite good uh that's not the problem general and yeah. I I think the like looking into sort of the dichotomy between love and sex and she still clearly loves her husband. Mm-hmm. Um and she mm-hmm. she's committed to him emotionally and sort of tries at the end to st- stay committed to him. Maybe not committed to him sexually but like certainly willing to forego this sexual relationship that yeah. she's had. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's all very interesting. It just uh, the first two thirds of this are much better than the last like ten minutes of it. I think. Yeah. yeah, and I did like that. It it makes clear that you know she just it's like a purely sexual relationship. She really has no emotional interest or like she said she loves her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, she really does not have a lot of use for like Maryish. I think is the the younger guy's name. Um, mm-hmm. you know, outside of their having the sexual relationship, which even that, I guess by the time we see them, she's already having doubts about it. But even now, yeah. she doesn't seem like she's that into, frankly. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought I thought she played it. Yeah, I thought that actress played it really well. You, you really understand where this woman is coming from. I just found the, the main character, the husband, to be quite annoying. Yeah. Um... Oh, man. Oh, so this is another instance of if you attempt suicide, the person that you want to like you more. Yeah, it's and like you said, it's it's the two the two biggest um, issues for me in, in the depiction of both of these is one sort of tied to the one for one. Like if something bad happens in your life, attempt suicide. You know what I mean? Like you like you said, yeah. one of the, the things about depicting suicide, it's not usually if ever tied to like one bad thing that happened to you. It's a you know, symptom of all these other issues. Um, but both times it's like, oh, this the person you're in love with doesn't love you back? Well, possibly. that's that. Yeah, possibly, maybe. Um, d- yeah, and um, also that, yeah, it, it works as an attention-getting. It'll bring them back around, basically. Um, I kind of buy it with him if, you know, not that I wanted to watch this version, but, like, if it was more specifically about, like, his impotence and... Yes. What it meant to him as like a man and like if that like like if separate if his wife wasn't having an affair but he still felt, you know, he still could not reckon 
or process what that meant to him for like his the future of his life. That would make more sense, right? If it was more tied mm-hmm. to like, what's the point of going on living? I'm, you know, I am not a man or whatever. Um, but it's it's not really I've been that eye rolling, but not like right. Stupid. No, no, I I know, right? But it's just like that, <laughs> right? That at least I would have sort of understood. But instead, this is just sort of a retread of romantic struggles. You know, I'm done with this world kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, one thing I really like to see portrayed in movies is um, people in a long-term relationship that can actually communicate. Because mm-hmm. I think we all we all struggle to communicate in uh, relationships, whether it's with parents or with children mm-hmm. or with romantic partners. And um, I, I do really like it when people we could see actual people in media be able to communicate. And I think the first scene they communicate where they're talking about, you know, you can. Yeah, you can have other sexual partners, but like, say devoted to me, and like, should we have a kid? I've always wanted a kid. These are all real interesting things that comes up, um, and then the communication just goes so down the drain, imme- like yeah. immediately. And I'm just like, like this is an interesting start, and the rest of it could be yeah. more interesting if this sort of communication between these characters, this obvious connection, was able to be kept through yeah. to the rest of it. Yeah. And the communication just goes so, like, it doesn't even seem like it's the people from the first scene mm-hmm. where they're talking to each other. So, yeah. I don't know. It's going crazy. Yeah. I think, that's a, I think that's a really good point. I think, like you said, it, it starts off with, he doesn't, like, hide the diagnosis from her. There's not some sort of, like, wacky misunderstanding where he doesn't, like, you said, he's honest with her at the beginning. And they're both and, open with each other's and problems both, with it. Right. And they have this conversation. I mean, maybe, maybe. Maybe it's trying to say something about how it's easy to, like, talk about some of these things than then deal with them. Like, he can, once he realizes this is happening, he can't confront it. Um, but, I, but I sort of agree that it, it devolves into sort of a, a more cliche, like, oh, she's having an affair and there's misunderstandings um, yeah. in the second half. Especially because he said, like, you can have a sexual partner. Yeah, he, yeah. he, he yeah. comes up with I think it would have been interesting, like... Yeah. yeah, and I think it'd been interesting if it's like he finds them and it's like she did have a sexual partner, which she said he could have, but she's hiding it. And so right. there's like a why did you feel like you needed to hide it? Like there's an interesting sure. story here, and but no, it's like how dare you? I re- drive right. my bike off bridge. Right, and there's an interesting story in I thought I would be okay with this in the abstract, and then when confronted yes, with exactly. it in the real world, I maybe I can't deal with it. And I think that happens to people all the time, where you're like, oh yeah, I'd be fine with that. Like, oh, turns out, nope, I was wrong. I'm not fine mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. Um, but again, instead of him saying to her, I know I said I was okay with this, but I'm not, he rides his bike off a bridge. Ironically, this is the opposite problem of eight, where there's not enough talking going on between <laughs> the characters. <laughs> instead exactly. of just like, oh, which just random things happen, and sure. Yeah, yeah, this one, there's a lot of sort of, like, he does a lot of snooping around and, like, seeing, you know, where the young guy is and where his wife's gone off to, and, yeah, not not enough talking, too much just sort of sneaking around and making assumptions. Uh, milk? Milk? Is there milk in this one? Yeah, Roman, or Roman, or I don't know, however the Polish pronounce oh, it name, yeah, is yeah, pouring yeah. milk while watching a child play. There you go. Sure, sure. And we already talked Why about Arch- Archer goes is another. Our another, last. I would argue better, better bicycle yeah. rider. <laughs> our, our final uh, Archer sighting. 
Yes, yeah, yep, he's not in. He's, he totally. Do we know why he's not in ten? Did we talk about this? No, do we know? They never. He could, he could be. There's a lot of people I think in ten. I think, he's, um, I think Kislowski said it was because of uh, how tonally different it is. He, he thought that it just it didn't sure. fit, mm. which um, I think is wow. reasonable given <laughs> given how tonally different yeah. it is. Yes, yeah, because when our turn, yeah, everything's been sort of so mournful, mm-hmm. and like by the time you get to ten, it's not really on that level. So, yeah, ten. Did we have, did I said, do we have any other nine thoughts? No, we're done. No, no, I think we're good. Okay, all right. So the last episode, Decalogue ten, um, which is just Thou shalt not covet, um, is basically a Coen Brothers movie. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I think is right. I mean, that's basically what it is. Um, it it starts off, we're introduced to a pair of brothers. The younger brother um, is a, like, punk musician, and we get a nice uh, uh, concert shot of some loud uh, Polish punk music. Um, but the um, the young guy's older, the singer's older brother shows up um, and to tell him that their father has died. Um, their father, who is was this sort of friend... Their father, who was sort of the friendly neighbor from uh, episode eight, yeah, who's um, very, very excited sad, about his dead stamp. Now. He's so excited about his stamp, with which mm-hmm. I guess maybe with good reason. Um, so his name is Root, which is weird. Um, but anyway, so he has died. Um, the brothers were not really close with their father, um, so they like go through the funeral arrangements. But we don't get the sense that there's any sort of emotional like effect on them by the death of their father. It seems mostly inconvenient. Um, until they go to his apartment to check it out, and it turns out he lived in a crazy stamp fortress. <laughs> it was his apartment, basically. Um, it's all locked up, and there's alarms and things, and they start looking around, realizing he has what it turns out to be a very very valuable stamp collection. And just like any characters, like I said in a, let's say, Coen Brothers movie, who stumble on to something of great value... They proceed to get in way over their head with trying to make the most of uh, this situation and how to maximize all their money. Um, they There's like a neighbor who comes over who is kind of shady. Um, the older brother makes the classic mistake of giving his kid um, one or <laughs> some of the stamps, which turns out to be like the most valuable. And he basically got scammed uh for less valuable stamps um there is a owner of a stamp collector shop who um comes into the stamps and basically there's just all these moving pieces um it get they they get more and more paranoid and more and more invested in the idea of the stamps and they get a guard dog um and they are really sort of fortifying the apartment a good dog by the way very good dog. oh yeah i really have a whole section about the dog just just i well it's because because then there's a weird dog based twist at the end but we'll get to it um i have questions about that so they um they get more and more paranoid they um get more and more like obsessed basically with this idea of the stamps and then it turns out um <laughs> that um they there's like the most valuable stamps, super limited edition. They have it's that they have two, and the other one has one. I think, and they're trying yeah. to put together the three. And um, the shop owner says, "I have the missing piece stamp, um, and we I will give it to you, but only uh, if you donate a kidney to my daughter." That's where things really escalate. And um, the older brother, I should say, uh, his name's I think it's Jersey, um, is so 
obsessed with with what's happening here that he agrees to do it. Um, and so he goes, donates this kidney. Um, when he is done with the surgery, the younger brother, whose name is actually Arthur, not to be confused, um, he shows up and tearfully confesses or, or tells his brother that they have been robbed. Every Someone broke in to the apartment, I think maybe from the balcony, um, and just stole everything and they've lost everything. Um, and of course, they turn on each other, um, report each other to the police um, to, you know, they basically suspect the other one um, for various reasons. And then at the very end, independently, they sort of see every character that they've come into contact with throughout this story all together on the street. And it looks like that really what happened was they were the victim of a sort of very clever stamp-based crime where the neighbor and the the guy who scammed the son and the shopkeeper were all in it together um and in the end they reunite back at the apartment sort of realize what's happened and um have a have a little brotherly laugh about how (laughs) they have a little bit of a laugh on the floor of the empty apartment about how ridiculous this whole situation has become um yeah and it's it's the uh by far the funniest. It's dark, but mm-hmm. it is, uh, you know, the tone, like we said, is, is quite different. And I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I know, Dylan, you said this is your favorite of, of all of them. This or seven. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I think it's a great choice, um, given how the premise of this one starts off with a dad's death. That mm-hmm. uh, They could have started this and it would have felt like any other Decalogue. Mm-hmm. Um, And instead they just filmed it in this rambunctiously dumb punk rock thing. And they're just shouting like, screw the government. Yeah. And it's like, this is not the Decalogue I used to know. Right. So it's such a left turn. The first minute, you're like, what is this? Yeah. You immediately get like, this ending is not going to be like every other Decalogue, which is good. Because Mm -hmm. if this started with just like a, Oh, look at this drab apartment. Right. Look at, or they're at the we funeral. don't even care about our yeah. dad, but we have to bury him. Yeah. Could have been so it could have like been a bit of a tough sell. Mm-hmm. And how much uh it could and also um <clears throat> there's a lot of crazy things that happens in the decalogue but are played very straight, like riding a bicycle off a ten foot sure. embankment. Or um what would be another one? You know, like stealing a guy for a whole night uh as a personal ultimatum um and this one it's like if this was in a different decalogue episode i could totally see like ah now he must donate a kidney and it's like this really dark thing but like when they said like you need to donate a kidney they're kind of like what the fuck it's it's like (laughs) it's played as like a laugh of just how insane the story is and um how much this obsession has become Mm-hmm. And um, oh, I, lo- I love when they get the guard dog, which is just like this massive Great Dane. Yeah, and it's the, it's like the the wimpiest dog. Right, it's, <laughs> and, it's a big dog, but it's not an aggressive yeah. guard dog. Yeah, and I love like the two of them just trying to be like, what what do we do with the dog? And they're like so confused. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's played to great humor. Right, um, and and one of the reasons that the older brother when he's report aside from just paranoia when he's going to the cop at the end and he thinks that oh you know the, the maybe his younger brother was involved because it's like oh he's the only person that could be near the dog and it's like but that dog wasn't going to do anything no <laughs> like i don't know what you thought he was going to do but yeah and uh 
it, 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 it got me to care as much about the story and about the emotions and the characters without having the most brutal life and death stakes or the, right. the most straight face serious thing. And for one, that's why I like the Coen brothers so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just Ebert mentioned that uh, he worked with a di- different cinematographer each time mm-hmm. to try to mm-hmm. make the style less the same. They right. all look the same, really. Like there's no, except five. There's slight. There's slight differences. Yeah, the five. Five is a big one. Um, eight. There's a lot more reds. I would say eight has a lot of red colors. Um, yeah. But in general, they're still just kind of drab. And in this one, it still looks drab. But I like that he just said like the tone is completely different. And mm-hmm. it's kind of what I, I. I wish he played around with the tone and the style a little bit more. Because by the by by eight and nine it got pretty pretty monotonous for me, so yeah that's why I love this one and it's just so funny yeah I love I love the younger brother he's so dumb yeah yeah I just love how the <laughs> what do you think Nick? the the movie kind of ramps up from they're interested in stamps or like they're not interested in stamps but they they find these stamps and then they learn a little bit more and they become more interested and then like as the movie goes on they become more and more involved in stamps which is like sort of a silly thing to uh like at the end they're trading a kidney for right <laughs> yeah the escalation is crazy and you like you don't buy that um like you would do that but you get why like you sort of see their obsession how they're just like all right well fuck it like we we gotta do it it's the only way we're gonna get this stamp and we gotta get the stamp right, right. so the way right. he well, I would never give up a kidney. Like, I could totally get that sort of like, oh, look at this thing. Like, oh, right. kind of interesting. And then be like, oh, shit, this is like really getting to me. And then just like, I will do anything to yeah. like continue this obsession. Yeah, they just exactly. ra- ratchet you can up see the... them justifying to themselves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I love the way they do that. And, and um, like we were saying before, I've only seen... Double Life, Double Life of Veronique, this um, in the three colors. And mm-hmm. this is like, it, it's so different than all of those um, in terms of the mm-hmm. the amount of humor. I think f- White maybe has a little bit of humor. I was just to about it. to say, White is kind of that ridiculous, over the top sort of like, this is just insane yeah. what's going on. Yeah, White. White's sort of a, yeah, White's a little sake. humorous and also like a very dark way. And like we said, the the younger brother from this is the protagonist in White. Um, mm-hmm. But even mm-hmm. so, this this I think is much more like uh, overtly uh, a dark comedy. Whereas White, mm-hmm. you know, if you were to see like the White Letterbox or something has the genres listed, comedy would probably be third or fourth. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I really like this one um, as a departure. And I think it's a good way to wrap up the series, so you're not ending on like it's a great you know way. the 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 mom and seven just like not even waving, just looking sad as the train leaves. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. He really could have been like the end needs to be this massive finale. Like, let's not just kill one kid or separate one family. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's burn let's burn down the entire apartment building. Right, burn down the apartment dies. building. Yeah. Something like that. Like and I'm just so glad he just went with like all these two idiots just kind of get a little obsessed and at the end they have a laugh about it. 
And and it does feel fitting to end on that note in general to be like, look, if if even if the maybe thesis of the first nine is like the world is a cruel and terrible place, I think by ending with ten, you're like, well, and the only way you're going to survive is just to laugh about it with because, the homies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just you know, that's that's all you're going to be able to do. Um, and I I like that uh, in the end they still get the red stamp. Like, yeah, they yeah. still have their they completed collection. They end up with just collection. the one stamp in the... Or, yeah, yeah, no, because the other two would have gotten stolen. So they, they still stolen, just have, they just the, have one. the one that they traded for, yeah. Um, But I like that uh, they're, they're still, like, interested in stamps. Like, it seems like if yeah. whatever happens in the next... Because, like, they, they go out and buy stamps. They both individually buy stamps. And the they buy the exact too. same stamps. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like they've both realized the problem of becoming, like, too obsessed. But Mm -hmm. they have had this journey together, and they're still interested in it. And I think that's a beautiful way to sort of end the series. I love 10. I just so dig it. It's the best. Yeah. I I think this this stamps is sort of like a a, a metaphor for this series in general, where they have one uh, stamp, and it's not really worth anything. It's only worth something if you have everything put together, and that's sort of how like these episodes sort of tie in yeah. together for me. Where, you know, I I wouldn't be giving a high rating to like nine or eight or three, but if you put them all together, you do yeah, you you put all ten episodes together, and I think this um this series of films is like sort of a monumental achievement, even though it has it has its lows i think overall like as mm-hmm. as a unit as the collections of stamps uh become more valuable and they're put together i think that's that's sort of the decalogue for me i would not give a kidney up for yeah. this series but uh <laughs> no. <laughs> no. no 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 yeah but i think you're right because i think if i like averaged out all my ratings it would come out to like maybe just under four or something because of like i have two or three threes at least mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Maybe just above four, but I have it at least at a four and a half, if not a five, kind of writing that line. On that's the whole, that's so. where I am. I'm trying to figure out like I've I've been sort of dreading like w- w- how many stars I want to give it because I'm like right at a three seven five. It's it's yeah. so it feels like such a wild exercise to try to give a single four star rating <laughs> to yeah, this, <laughs> but here we yeah. are. Um, I, we we could go episode by episode. Oh, gee. oh god! Okay, no. that 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 sounds worse. That would be yeah, great that sounds, podcasting. That sounds that sounds worse. Never <laughs> mind. Um, I, Thirty numbers listed off in consecutive order. So I, I yeah. found the quote from Kieslowski talking about um, Arthur or Arthur. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So he says, uh, and this is from the Criterion booklet, and I think it's an excerpt. It might be from the book Kieslowski on Kieslowski, but don't quote me on that. It's from it's from the Criterion uh, booklet, though. Uh, it quote there's this guy who wanders around in all the films i don't know who he is just a guy who comes and watches he watches us our lives he's not very pleased with us he comes watches and walks on he doesn't appear in number seven because i didn't film it right and had to cut him out and he doesn't appear in film 10 because since there are jokes about training a kidney i thought that maybe it's not worth showing a guy like that but i was probably wrong no doubt i should have shown him in that one too oh interesting okay uh, where would you guys have put him? Because to me, it, great question. In the mosh pit of the punk show. Yeah, <laughs> would have been good. He could have been one of the people that, like, the whole convene meeting, weird little twist thing. <laughs> yeah. Shows up at the end. He's just kind of like on the sidewalk next to them. Like, what are these guys talking about? Um, yeah. So, 
it the at the twist at the end when all the all the characters were in it together seemingly they they show up and and like two of them are also walking great danes yeah. what yeah <laughs> like is are they do they breed a bunch of docile great danes that they well, pretend yeah, what, are guard right. dogs that's what i'm saying was the dog in on it? yeah that was my question you, you, so i i took it as either like they knew the dog like personally and knew how mm-hmm. to right like either well they didn't really have to yeah either they much. gave either they say, purposely yeah. gave them like a lemon of a dog or they knew like <laughs> sure. hey all you have to do is like scratch behind his ears and he's cool right it is something fine. like that yeah i just i just like laughed a lot at that when because the first one guy shows up and he has a the same dog and then a second guy shows up also mm. with the dog <laughs> um but it's it's a pretty funny pretty funny moment yeah i agree yeah yeah Good one. Good, what good one if to end on. We made what if we made Arthur play the character of Arthur? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. let let him finally instead, have a leading role. Yeah, yeah. But no, that would I do like the guy well. who plays yeah, and I do like the guy who plays Arthur. So he's got a good face. Yeah, and I think like Nick said, like Yeah, and he I think he really works for this sort of like cynical but stupidly funny sort of Kislavsky mm-hmm. humor between mm-hmm. this and White. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So technically, no, none of us are the host today because okay. we all split. I was gonna say, yeah. Any, any other, any so, other final thoughts from anyone? Yeah. Who transitions next? <laughs> um, I can. I just, yeah. So, um, we want to talk about Roger quotes. Raj. I know we've already. I kind of already gave up out. my quote. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we've already called out a couple. Uh, he has a lot of. I think so. Thought this was a pretty good essay. Um. Overall, um, I like the quote that you brought up already, Dylan. Um, I, I really do think that emphasizes what works best in most of the episodes. Mm-hmm. But again, eight kind of broke its rule and to to the detriment of it. Um, I thought it was funny that he compared um, the character of Arthur um, to the or um, in Annette Endor's yeah, book. She compares it to the Watcher from. Finn Vendor's uh, Wings of Desire. Oh, yeah. Which I think Nick brought up yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. as his own comparison. Last week, yeah. Um, that, that insight is so good. And having seen her in a couple of the Criterion things, like I, I added um, her book on Kieslowski to my like Amazon wish list just because coming up with Adam, just like, okay, like you're a genius. I'll, I'll read whatever you write. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my, my quote will be just the final quote because I think it works really well I it says mm-hmm. you shouldn't watch all the films in one sitting but at one at a time then if you're lucky and have someone to talk with you discuss and learn about yourself with them or if you're alone you discuss with them you discuss them with yourselves as so many of Kisowski's characters do mm-hmm. um, I like that I, I, and I also kind of glad that he said don't watch all these at once um I mean, you could I, I kind not. of feel almost egg to, given that it's considered uh, a ten-part movie to yeah. just watch I mean, all ten at it's once. Not a movie, but I don't think but... I could ever do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, it's not a movie. It's a, tele- it's a television miniseries, but it was a good one. Yeah, I mean, I watched all of Stranger Things at once when it came out. 
So. Sure, but that took a little bit less mental uh, toil, yeah. toll on you, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, and it really is a just a straightforward. It's like um, a movie, movie that's just yeah. seven episodes of TV. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he says a few different times in his essay, sort of talking about uh, Kozlowski's approach. He says that Kozlowski deliberately avoided everyday facts of life in Poland because he thought they were a distraction. The rules, the laws, the shortages, the bureaucracy. He deals with those parts mm-hmm. of life that are universal. Um, which, yeah, we don't really we don't really get any details about like how life in Poland works in this time. Like we just get the you know Yeah, no enough. one has a position on anything really. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um I like where he says at the end you see that the commandments work not like science but like art. They are instructions for how to paint a worthy portrait of our lives. And it's sort of like how he approaches um, these films mm-hmm. in general where not everything is like a strict definition. Some of them are too loosely uh, defined, I I think. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, uh, I think it, it works better... Um, imagining these loosely and he does the same thing with um uh the three colors trilogy instead of the metaphor being like oh this represents this it's a little bit um more vague which makes it more compelling i think mm-hmm. yeah you have to do a little bit of work mm-hmm. right. so, so thumbs, thumbs up or, or thumbs up from everyone oh yeah up I'm assuming no one's no coming in hot with a thumbs yeah. down. No, yeah. definitely thumbs up. <laughs> Even every individual. Okay, quick question. Yeah, this is what I was going to ask. Is there any individual episode you would have given a thumbs down to? I don't think there are. I Yeah, I don't think so either. The ones that I had problems with, um, I I don't think it like reached a, a thumbs down level. I always at least sort of admired what they were trying mm-hmm. to do. Um, yeah. Or sort of understood how it fit in the context. I mean, can roll my eyes at a few of the different elements, but nah, I don't think I'd go so far as a thumbs down with anything. That's fair. Cool. So, yeah. yeah, thumbs up. Um, ratings. I'll I'll go first since you guys were debating your ratings. Um, I'm three and a half. Um, really liked it more than I expected to. Um, not ever the kind of thing I would have sought out on my own to watch. Um, and I, I don't know, I might revisit them someday. Um, definitely more for me in the like admired more than loved, but still like a solid yeah. three, so, a solid three and a half. Cause just an impressive work with a couple of really standout segments. Nick. Yeah. I'm going to go for, I'm prepared to, I'm prepared to go all four stars. Um, for me, I think I made this um, analogy before, but it's like, if you take a TV series or even just a, a season from a TV series, you're not going to like every single subplot, but overall, right. I think it coalesces for me into um, something really special. And just like mm-hmm. the the sound of the piano theme. like Yeah. Uh, you got that stuck in your head. <sighs> yeah, I liked it. By the, by the end, I really yeah. like it was it's it's pretty like it's a pretty sad mm-hmm. piano, but like I, I found it kind of comforting by, yeah. <laughs> by the time it's I like, reached the end. It's yeah, the perfect melancholic theme for for how mm-hmm. these stories play out. So um, yeah, I'm gonna go four stars. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'll go four. I didn't really debate on our four star rating scale, but I just debated between four and, four and, five and a half and five on Letterboxd. Yeah, on Letterboxd. But that's high enough that 
when we condense down a whole star. Fair uh, enough. It's definitely a four instead of a three and a half. Um, so this is uh, just up front the longest we've gone since podcasting. So I don't know how much we want to do for what we have seen the last. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I was gonna say if you if, if we do this whole thing in one one go, we're over three hours. Um, yeah, so maybe we'll save this for another day. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. Um, next time, especially because next movie uh, is, that we're gonna yeah, be talking about is like sixty-five. Yeah, 60 yeah it's, it's barely a feature. So after the next movie, and if, we're gonna talk if, about, if we're about one to one. Right. On these movies about be like minutes a, to like a twenty minute podcast, right? Like yeah, so so that then we can just do an hour of discussing right. all the stuff we've been talking it's, about, yeah, um, or been watching on. It's our own. like one scene longer than any decalog chapter, right? I was gonna say it's basically the length <laughs> of because some of the decalog chapters were like sixty one, sixty two mm-hmm. minutes. So yeah, it's basically like one scene longer. Um, for anyone who is not following along in the book, the movie we are talking about is the nineteen forty five film Detour. Uh, film noir that is available on all kinds of streaming services. It's almost everywhere. Um, yeah, it's pretty much everywhere. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's like a public domain situation or what the deal is. Why what the deal is the rights with this? But it's on Prime Video. It's on Criterion Channel. It's on Epics, Hoopla, Canopy, Tubi TV, and basically all kinds of free streamable places. If you want to pay to rent it from Amazon or iTunes, you can do that as well. But yeah, it's all over the place. So and it's and it's a quick watch, like we said. Wonderful. <laughs> barely over an hour so looking forward to that criterion had a, a handful of bonus features too i don't know if it had the commentary oh, cool. on there but it it had at least one um bonus type thing so if you have nice. criterion that's where i'm gonna be watching it, Check it out. me too mm. do you have the disc cool Oh, I also have the disc. That's right i forgot i forgot <laughs> i bought this on blu-ray say, f- during a why do i know that <laughs> I don't know. I forgot. It's when I bought all the D's at once. When I got Days of Heaven, Decalogue, Detour, and Do the Right Thing all in one um, Criterion sale. That's a great like, sale. Like six months that's, ago. That's, that's a, good, a good collection. That's a good that, yeah, that's a good set of pickups. Yeah, I was, I was happy yeah. about it. So, yeah, I'll I'll be watching it on the Blu-ray and see see if there's anything different available there. Fun. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. I think we've covered enough. Thanks to um, anyone who stuck with us for three plus hours of talking about this uh, Polish television miniseries that uh, people insist on calling a film. Um, And no one can watch except you buy the $100 movie discs. Right. Join us next week when we talk about Detour. Until then, you can find us on Twitter and Letterboxd uh, at Great Movies Pod. Thanks, as always. To our friend Scott Brady for our podcast artwork. And we will talk to you all next time. Roger Roger out. out. Roger out. And when I go to the movies, I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people. Okay. Now we're good. Uh, Sounds good. Okay. Yeah, I'm good too. All right. All right. And my audio is going better than it did last time. I need to turn my fan off. Ah, oh, okay. There you go. I won't have background noise. Okay. Um, sounds good. <clears throat> Welcome to the Great Movies Pod, a podcast where we watch and discuss the movies discussed in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay. Cl- oh, wait. I did not write down. Did I miss something?
<laughs> little, we're a little rusty. We're just getting back into it. It's fine. Yeah. This, this um, movie it, so- it sounded right to me. I, I, it felt like it went too quick. Uh, yeah. Dude, do you want me to send you the... the Great the... Movies pod? Dude, yeah, oh, just send it okay. to me. Give me one second. Again, it's been too long since we have recorded. Yes. I'm out the groove. You mean you don't have... You threw like off a, my groove. You don't have a dumb pun based on... Uh... <laughs> I, Matt and I were trying to, like, brainstorm some, like, rep, like confusing the Decalogue with, like, decathletes, but, like, the decathlon, but we couldn't quite... <laughs> there so there's there's a movie from i think it's a david wayne movie called 10 yes um which i've seen once and didn't really enjoy mm-hmm. but it's <laughs> like pretty much this only feature length okay. is this, are you guys still both recording yeah yes good because this is going to be in the end okay. <laughs> okay so i sent i sent you what i usually oh uh, i just did too okay but... oh damn but I, I copied okay. yours. I copied yours, Jana, so it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> like, cool. I copied yours on episode, this is like, going probably great. four, and then it just... I, I know, I wrote sense. it out one time, and that's yet. just... No, it's fine. It's fine. <clears throat> okay. Zen mode. Oh, wait, hold on. Sorry. Before we get back into it, because if you're going to include that anyway, um, 10 is... Like, I obviously, I'm, like, a huge fan of the state. I like a lot of David Wayne's work, but I've heard 10 is pretty bad. It's pretty bad, yeah. Okay, that's a bummer. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Welcome to The Great Movies Pod, a retrospective film review show where we watch and discuss the movies on cover. Oh, my God. I have it in front of me. Okay. Leave it in. Start? No. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> 